begin on this Thursday, the 3rd of August, by praying together in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, the Canticle of Zechariah. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel. He has come to his people and set them free. He has raised up for us a mighty Savior, born of the house of his servant David. Through his holy prophets, he promised of old that he would save us from our enemies, from the hands of all who hate us. He promised to show mercy to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant. This was the oath he swore to our father Abraham, to set us free from the hands of our enemies, free to worship him without fear, holy and righteous in his sight all the days of our life. You, my child, shall be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his way, to give his people knowledge of salvation by the forgiveness of their sins. In the tender compassion of our God, the dawn from on high shall break upon us, to shine on those who dwell in darkness and the shadow of death, and to guide our feet into the way of peace. Amen. It is a better way to start a Thursday, the Sunrise Morning Show. Glad that you're along. I'm Matt Swain. Anna Mitchell has news. Paul Lachman at the controls. And up this hour, Father Robert Nixon will continue our series on his book, Crown of the Virgin by St. Ildefonsus, looking at more jewels and stars and flowers that are representative of the virtues of Our Lady. Chris McGregor. We'll dive into the Office of Readings with us. Chris, of course, from Discerning Hearts. Michael Dauphiné is going to discuss the Beatitudes as Steps of Courage. And then Pastoral Counselor Kevin Prendergast is looking ahead to tomorrow's Feast of St. John Vianney. Of course, Kevin is a pastoral counselor. Uh, one of his favorite saints is the patron saint of pastors, namely St. John Vianney. So we'll get into St. John Vianney with Kevin Prendergast at the end of the hour. Right now it is two minutes past. Here's Anna Mitchell with news. Good morning. The World Youth Day pilgrims will be welcoming Pope Francis in the opening ceremony today for him in Lisbon. The Holy Father has a full day of encounters with youth. He's set to meet with university students and also paint the final brush stroke in a mural created by a community of young people originally established by decree of the Pope early yesterday. After arriving in Portugal, Pope Francis met with civil authorities and diplomats and in his address reflected on the direction of Europe. From Vatican Radio, Lisa Zingarini reports. The Pope said that as an ocean city, Lisbon reminds us of the importance of the whole, to think of borders as places of contact, not as boundaries that separate. Recalling the Treaty of Lisbon, which in 2007 reformed the European Union, committing it to actively contribute to world peace, sustainable development, solidarity and the protection of human rights, he questioned the direction Europe and the West have taken to effectively bring peace to the world, namely its investments in sophisticated weapons rather than in the future of the young. He also lamented the developed world's creeping utilitarianism that uses life and discards it, the life of the unborn, of older persons, of migrants. In the face of these setbacks, Pope Francis remarked that the thousands of young people pouring into Lisbon this week offer a reason for hope, 
and that therefore the World Youth Day represents an opportunity to build together something new for the future. He suggested three construction sites of hope. The first one is the protection of creation for the sake of the new generations. The second is the future represented by young people facing many difficulties today, which in the West has resulted in a troubling demographic decline. In this regard, once again, Pope Francis urged for far-sighted social and economic policies, but also reiterated the need for intergenerational solidarity that forge bonds between young and old. Finally, Pope Francis cited fraternity, which Christians learn about from Christ. In a globalized world, all of us are challenged to cultivate a sense of community, he said. I am Lisa Zingarini. Former President Donald Trump is due to be arraigned this afternoon in the nation's capital on four counts related to alleged efforts to overturn the results of the 2020 election. In announcing the indictment this week, Special Counsel Jack Smith said his office will push for a speedy trial, adding that they're ready to have all of the evidence, quote, tested in a court of law. The 45-page indictment alleges Trump was, quote, determined to remain in power despite having lost the election and being aware that he had lost. The man convicted of killing 11 people at a Pittsburgh synagogue has been sentenced to death. A federal jury came to a unanimous decision yesterday on the fate of Robert Bowers. He was convicted on more than 60 charges last June for the 2018 mass shooting at the Tree of Life Synagogue, which was the worst attack on Jewish people in U.S. history. The court will reconvene this morning at 9 a.m. Eastern, at which time his sentence will be formally imposed. The State Department is ordering non-emergency U.S. government employees and eligible family members to evacuate from Niger after last week's military takeover. Mark Mayfield reports. That's when the West African country's democratically elected president was pushed out of office. In a statement Wednesday, the State Department said the U.S. Embassy in Niamey has temporarily reduced its personnel, suspended routine services, and is only able to provide emergency assistance to U.S. citizens. The advisory also warns Americans not to travel to Niger. European nations have called the takeover by the military a coup. I'm Mark Mayfield. And the Big Ten could be poaching more schools from the Pac-12 conference. The Big Ten released a statement yesterday that it has begun, quote, exploratory discussions about potential additions. The conference is reportedly looking at Pac-12 schools, Washington and Oregon. The Big Ten will already be adding USC and UCLA in 2024. The Pac-12 is now down to nine schools after Colorado voted to rejoin the Big 12 in 2024. The Big Ten has also considered adding Cal and Stanford which could balloon the conference to 20 teams. At which time, Matt, do you change it to the Big 20? I was about to say, how many teams are in a Big 10 or a 12? Mm -hmm. I feel like... uh, Yeah, if you're in the Pac-12, but there are only nine teams. I said no camels. That's five camels. Can't you count? That's all I can say. I mean, that's the only thing I can think of. I was thinking, what is this, a center for ants? No.
I don't know why. What is this, a conference for... For ants? Pacific teams? I don't no, know. No, not at all. <laughs> not anymore, it's You know, not. that's the thing about college sports now. Because of... I, I mean, it's just like, it's gotten when to When does be, Hawaii join the Big East? That is... Yes. Exactly, Matt. Exactly. And then you feel bad for, like, the women's volleyball team because they have to somehow take a bus from Hawaii to It is New hard York. to get a bus from Hawaii to the mainland, let me just tell you. <laughs> Today is Thursday, August the 3rd. Happy to have you along with us here on the Sunrise Morning Show on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Back with us now on the Sunrise Morning Show is Father Robert Nixon. He's a Benedictine at New Norcia in Australia and translator of the Tan Resurrection series. We've been going through one of them, Crown of the Virgin, an ancient meditation on Mary's beauty, virtue, and sanctity by St. Ildefonsus of Toledo. Father, welcome back. Father, welcome back. Thank you very much, Eddie. It's fantastic to be with you today. It is fantastic to have you. And today we are going to be talking about the 19th place in the crown of the Virgin imagined by St. Ildefonsus. And in that place, he puts the Peridot gemstone. Peridot, Peridot. I've never heard of this. Had to look this one up, Father. Tell us about this gem. Okay. Okay, absolutely. Um, So, Eddie, it's a... Um, it's actually a most moderately well-known gem. Uh, before I became a monk, one of my interests was actually collecting gemstones, so I was familiar with it. But it's um, it's a kind of gr- very dark green color, a kind of olive green color, not quite like an emerald, but of a of a somewhat darker shade than that, and um, a very complex color, which seems to mix in different hues. And um, you know, it's it's not an overly expensive stone. Um, but it is very beautiful. And in the Middle Ages, um, when Ildefonsus was writing, it was uh, I was actually quite surprised to, to read that he included that one, that they knew about that in the Middle Ages, that stone. But, um, yeah, so he chooses this to place in the Blessed Virgin's crown uh, in the 19th place, and he, he chooses it because precisely because of its quite unique colour. And he describes this colour as combining the fulford shade of gold with that of the greenish-tinged ocean. And I hadn't thought about it before in that way, but actually that is a very good description of the colour of the peridot. And he says, In the tints of gold, reverent mercy is expressed, while the shade of the sea expresses the bitterness of tearful sorrow. So um, Mary, for him, combines these two elements, uh, the gold of mercy with the sea green tinge of the bitterness of sorrow with which she is so well acquainted because of uh, her experiences throughout her life um, as mother of the son who underwent all of the sufferings for the sake of our salvation and she shared in those unique sufferings in a most unique way. What a beautiful description for our Blessed Mother. I love how you put it, the complex hues of the Peridot gemstone, because that is really what you get when you look at the Blessed Mother, right? You see so much joy yeah. and yet so much sorrow. And and, and you Indeed. combine them together in the Blessed Mother. 
Yes, you do. And, you know, he points out that it's it's the fact that she underwent such great bitterness of sorrow that she's able to extend this compassion, this this radiant and gold-like compassion and mercy to others because she fully understands um, the depth of our need for mercy. So, uh, you know, you think about compassion consists of an empathy with other people's suffering. And because Christ underwent greater suffering than any other human being and Mary shared in that suffering, there's absolutely no pain or hurt we can feel which can separate us from her love or her mercy. She understands everything we feel uh, in in an unbelievable and maternal way. And that, I think, is, is the key to her as the mediatrix of grace, as the channel of mercy. And I love in the prayer bringing in some some biblical typology to the uh, to this description of the gemstone when you're talking about these tints of gold, um, kind of mixed in with with the sorrow of of the green of the sea. He's talking about the Blessed Mother as as the Ark of the Covenant, adorned with purest gold. Yes. Um, and that description as the Ark of the Covenant, I think, is is a really beautiful one for Mary. Um, he says, you are the true Ark of the Covenant adorned with purest gold, in which are hidden all the treasures of the grace and mercy of God. On the exterior gilded with virtues and on the interior lined with the gold of innocence and piety. And, you know, if we think about the, the old Ark, it was placed in... Uh, sorry, the old covenant was placed within this ancient ark. But now our new covenant really is in the person of Jesus Christ himself, the one who united humanity to divinity, who reconciled our being, our whole being, body and soul to God himself. And Mary was the ark, the vessel that contained this covenant, which was uh, personified perfectly in Jesus Christ. So I think that, that this is a, a, a great description of her and that she had to be uh, fittingly beautiful and noble to be the vessel that contained this new and divine covenant. Yeah, it's the true temple of the Lord. Father, can you close out our conversation uh, telling listeners about the end of this prayer in which he describes her um, as as sort of expressions of the power of Jesus. Yeah, indeed, indeed. And this is this is wonderful. And we think about the virtues and the powers of God. Most of the time we actually experience them through other people. And Mary is the is the most wonderful and perfect example of that. And he talks about her as the true temple of the Lord. His omnipotence, the omnipotence of God, is expressed in your charity, and his wisdom is revealed in your humility, his kindness in your virtue, his strength in your faith, his purity in your virginity, and his sanctity in your actions and demeanor. You are the life of the world, the healing medicine to afflicted souls, the tree of life in the center of the garden of paradise. You are the glory of the world, the pillar of heaven, the firmament of virtue, the sword which overcomes the devil, the force which makes hell tremble. You extinguish sinful lust, make the fruits of virtue to germinate, 
strengthen the weak, give sight to the blind, feed the hungry, protect the poor, and lead the dying to the glory of paradise, which the death and resurrection of your most blessed Son, Jesus, has won for us. Amen. Amen. Beautiful, beautiful chapter in Crown of the Virgin by St. Ildefonsus of Toledo, translated by Father Robert Nixon. Father, really appreciate your time this morning. Thank you. Thank you. God bless you, Annie, and God bless all your listeners today. And you as well, Father. Thank you so much. And you can find Crown of the Virgin linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Headlines coming up next. It's 16 past. Support for the Sunrise Morning Show is from Visiting Angels. Visiting Angels provides experienced, compassionate care to millions of aging adults nationwide by keeping them safe and healthy in the comfort of their own home. Whether it's a short break for caregivers or for long-term assistance, Visiting Angels provides hygiene, meals, light housework, companionship, and more. And services are available up to 24 hours per day. Visiting Angels, online at visitingangels.com. That's visitingangels.com. Franchise opportunities available. Laura Teach Me to Pray, the Ignatian Prayer Series, can now train you and others electronically to become facilitators and bring the Ignatian way of prayer to your parish. Come to know and love Jesus Christ like never before and help others do the same. Don't pass up the opportunity to join this work of the new evangelization. Go to LordTeachMeToPray.com and click on Digital Training. That's LordTeachMeToPray.com and click on Digital Training. Tis the season for iced tea. If you're looking for some unique flavors to enjoy, the Carmelite Monks of Wyoming have a number of options, including lemongrass mint, ginger orange, and blossoming jasmine. Go check them out through our link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. And when you make a purchase, we earn a commission. While you're at our site, pick up a mug or etched travel mug, which are available in our online store. Get your mugs and link to Mystic Monk Coffee for tea at sunrisemorningshow.com. Teresa Tamio. Every time I go to Mass and see my husband serving on the altar as a deacon, it hits me how, with God, all things are possible. I mean, there is no way that we should be still married, number one, based on all the problems we had. But number two, the fact that I'm in Catholic media and my husband is a deacon is simply a testimony to the power of God and the teachings of the church that saved our marriage and, more importantly, our souls. Catholic Connection with Teresa Tamio. Monday through Friday at 9 a.m. Eastern on EWTN Radio. 18 minutes past the hour. Here's Anna with headlines. Former President Trump is due to be arraigned this afternoon in the nation's capital on four counts in a new indictment that he's been hit with this week. The former bishop of the Diocese of Albany, New York, has announced that he's now civilly married and the World Youth Day pilgrims will be welcoming Pope Francis in a ceremony later today in Lisbon. Anna Mitchell, today on the calendar is someone who's not necessarily like really fully officially on the calendar, and it's partly because there's not a whole lot of knowledge about, well, there's sort of some legend and tradition, but whether or not we could talk about this person as a canonized saint, I feel like we should talk about this person because Gamaliel is on the calendar yes. today. Yes. And if you don't know the story of Gamaliel, um, go read the book of Acts. He pops up during the Easter season. Uh, when we have those first readings from Acts. And essentially, in Acts chapter 5, there's a whole bunch of stuff going on with the apostles causing a stir. And the elders of Israel are trying to figure out what to do about them and what to make of them. And Gamaliel, who actually trained St. Paul, uh, stands up 
and says something very powerful. He says, listen, be careful what you do with these guys uh, because we've had a whole bunch of people who've popped up over the years as revolutionaries and claiming to be prophets and so on and so forth. And what I would say to you about these guys, Peter and James and John and the like, is that leave them alone, <laughs> let them go. If they are of human origin, they will destroy themselves. Mm-hmm. But if they are of God, then you might find yourself fighting God. And what I've found interesting is that this is kind of the approach that the church has taken on a lot of things over the years. Mm-hmm. Why doesn't the Vatican immediately pronounce on every single thing that comes out? Well, maybe they're trying to figure out if it's going to destroy or itself or if it's from God and they need a little time to do that. Right. Exactly. And I think that it'd be appropriate that we would assume Gamaliel would eventually accept Christianity as the true religion. I mean, given... Given that line of thinking. Exactly. It's 21 minutes past the hour. Subscribe. Yes, by clicking the red subscribe button at sacredheartradio.com, you'll get an email with our show notes with the list of guests you'll hear that day on the Sunrise Morning Show or Driving Home the Faves. You'll also get the links to books, articles, and websites we've discussed and the full podcast with markers to find and hear the interview again. So to know when your favorite guests are on the Sunrise Morning Show and Driving Home the Faith, go to sacredheartradio.com and click subscribe. St. Michael's Rosaries and Religious Articles, a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio, can help you share your faith in style with high-quality socks and T-shirts featuring your favorite saints and the Blessed Mother. St. Michael's Rosaries in beautiful Miamisburg or online at stmichaelscustomrosaries.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Hoting Realtors, trusted and recommended by generations of families to sell their homes. Licensed in Ohio, Kentucky, and Indiana. Hoting Realtors, 513-451-4800 and at hoting.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Twin Dental of Cincinnati. Since 1986, twin brothers Drs. David and Michael Rothen have been providing superior dental care in a relaxed and comfortable setting for the entire family. The Twin Dental Doctors utilize advanced dentistry techniques from sedation to implants and the latest in cosmetic options to preserve and beautify smiles. Twin Dental, located just off the I-275 exit at Hamilton Avenue. For a complimentary evaluation, 513-825-6111 and online at twindental.com. Pregnancy Center West is committed to protecting the unborn by encouraging women to see and choose the beauty of life while offering practical assistance for them and their families. Donate securely online at supportpcw.org. That's supportpcw.org. You rely on your car, so rely on the experts at Fort Mitchell Garage, a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio. They can do it all from brakes, tires, and heating and cooling to towing and collision repair and more. Fort Mitchell Garage on Dixie Highway and Park Hills. On the web at fortmitchellgarage.com. Chris McGregor back with us now on the Sunrise Morning Show from DiscerningHearts.com. Good morning, Chris. Good morning, Anna. How are you today? I am doing great. And our selection from the Office of Readings is unreal. This is for (laughs) Friday of the 17th week in Ordinary Time. It is taken from a letter written by St. Ignatius of Antioch to St. Polycarp. Who are these guys? Let's just go big, shall we? Yeah, for real. <laughs> um, yeah, St. Ignatius of Antioch, the great father of the church who would, uh, on his way to Rome to be uh, martyred, 
and he knew that, and it, which was unusual at the time because usually Christians were martyred in, in their cities. And yet for one reason or another, the emperor wanted him to come to Rome, probably to be displayed in the uh, rather newly built Colosseum to provide entertainment. And as he is uh, on this journey in chains, he is writing letters to so many, uh, probably seven or eight different communities, and one to Polycarp. Polycarp, who was the uh, the one who was with St. John, the apostle. So there is a direct line connection to the apostles and Polycarp. And Ignatius is writing to Polycarp to encourage him to say, you know, don't forget these things. I'm so glad I had a chance to meet you. And I know you have this um, godliness of your mind and you're anchored, it seems, as he would say, in an immovable rock. You know, here I go, but I want you to know, keep keep these things in mind. This is the marching orders essentially for all Christians, for all of us. It's, it's, it's so beautiful, isn't it? It is so beautiful. So just to, to get further context here, um, they meet on Ignatius's journey to his martyrdom, correct? That is the, mm-hmm. the opportunity that they had to meet was Ignatius is being carted off to Rome and and encounters Polycarp in Smyrna. That's right. Wow. So he's this is kind of, you know, I just we wow, met. Wow, wow. I'm so glad it gave me such encouragement. And now I want I'm I'm putting this down in writing so we don't forget. Wow. So what stands and, out to you in this letter, Chris? Well, it it, it has several different parts and it, it talks about the importance of uh Help all men as the Lord also helps you. Suffer all men in love. Indeed, you are doing this. He could see that Ignatius could see that Polycarp was himself having to suffer. But pray unceasingly, beg for wisdom, be watchful, and keep the spirit from slumbering. And this is this line in this particular paragraph, it, it really hit me. Speak to each person individually just like God himself, mm. and like a perfect champion, bear the infirmities of all. The greater the toil, the greater the gain. And that is so beautiful. It's to reverence each person. And he says this, just like you were speaking to God. Give, you know, give each soul, no matter who it is. It could, you know, he was probably doing that, Ignatius, as he's walking with the, the ten guards that are taking him to Rome. You know, this is what transforms us. Even your enemies, speak to them, you know, give them attention. It's beautiful, isn't it? That line stood out to me as well, because I'm thinking of Ignatius knowing that he's headed to a gruesome death, is writing this and and talking about how God, how we need to speak to each person individually, just as God speaks to each person individually and you wonder what he was experiencing in prayer in that time as he's approaching his death yeah he would go on to say in that second paragraph these critical times have need of you as a ship needs a helmsman and the storm-tossed sailor needs a harbor and be strict with yourself like a good athlete of god the prize is immortality and eternal life as you know and I offer myself up as a sacrifice on your behalf, myself in these chains, which you yourself have kissed. Kissed. Yeah. So I mean, the chains of Antioch. 
Ignatius of Antioch. These critical times, Anna. I mean, we talk about, uh, there's a lot of discourse about the how some may feel about the church this way or that way. But there is, I mean, here are the early Christians that are literally being led to death, you know, at this, at this infancy of the, the life of the church. And here, here's the instruction. This is how it, it, it grew. It was because how they, in these critical times, they need your witness, but it's to be tender, loving, gentle, even to those who persecute you. Yeah. How about that? Yeah. He says, do not be caught off balance by those who plausibly teach perverse doctrines. Stand firm as an anvil under the blows. The task of great athletes is to suffer punishment and yet conquer, but especially, mm-hmm. but especially must we endure all things for the sake of God, that he also may endure us. Even in the midst of all of this, Ignatius recognizing that we all are in need of God's mercy, that God may also endure us. What an incredible line. Yeah, please get out and find this in online and print it out. You can find it in the Office of Readings and you can find Chris McGregor and all of her excellent podcasts over at discerninghearts.com, linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Thank you for bringing this one to our attention, Chris. You're a good example of this. St. Ignatius would be proud of you, Anna. Oh, that's very sweet. I think likewise, Chris. Very much appreciated. And uh, you can find all of our guests who I think are good examples of what St. Ignatius is talking about in this letter. You can find them all linked at sonrisemorningshow.com, and hopefully they can be of an encouragement to you uh, through all of the work that they do, especially over at discerninghearts.com. Don't forget to click that subscribe button while you're over there looking at the show notes so that you can get it linked in your inbox every morning as the Sunrise Morning Show goes on the air, sonrisemorningshow.com. Half past the hour now on the Sunrise Morning Show. It's time for news. The World Youth Day pilgrims are welcoming Pope Francis today in Lisbon, a welcome ceremony set for a little later today. The Holy Father has a full day of youth encounters on the schedule. He's set to meet with university students, and he's also painting the final brush stroke in a mural created by a community of young people that was originally established by decree of Pope Francis. The Holy Father met yesterday with Portuguese civil authorities and diplomats as he began his visit to Portugal for World Youth Day. In his remarks, he questioned the direction of Europe, citing specifically the war in Ukraine. He said, quote, where are you sailing if you are not showing the world paths of peace, creative ways for bringing an end to the war in Ukraine and to the many other conflicts causing so much bloodshed, end quote. On his flight to Portugal, the Holy Father learned of a young man who said he would spiritually accompany him and everyone at World Youth Day. From Vatican Radio, Deborah Castellano-Lubov reports. A moving moment occurred when the Spanish journalist of Radio Cope, Eva Fernandez, gave the Pope a letter from Pablo, a young professed Carmelite who died from cancer in July at the young age of 21, in which the late young man writes, the Pope has promised that he will accompany pilgrims at the World Youth Day from heaven. Despite his end coming near, Pablo had entered the order in Articulo Mortis, taking his vows in his room at the hospital clinic in Salamanca. His religious consequences 
consecration was a response to that ardor given by faith that he said he felt in every fiber of his body debilitated by six years of illness. His story, which in some ways is reminiscent of that of Carlo Acutis, reached the Pope's hands. In his letter, he recounted the years of his illness, saying, I am aware that everything has a reason in God's plan. Between ups and downs, better and worse days, and with much purification through illness, today I look at my life and I can confess that I have been and I am happy. He said that I have discovered that at the center of my life is not illness, but Christ, noting, as I told my friends, family, and Carmelite brothers, through suffering and sickness, I have met God. And through death and sickness, I will go to him. And for this, I thank him. I know from experience, Pablo wrote, that no one can extinguish the inner fire that a young person in love with Jesus can have. Pablo concluded, reassuring, I pray to the Lord that this fire of God's love burns in Lisbon. And how I would like the young people to know Jesus, my beloved. He has given me so much, consoled me so much, made me so happy. I'm Deborah Castellano-Lubov. Pope Francis met with victims of clerical sexual abuse yesterday on the first day of his visit to Portugal. The Pope met privately with the victims in what the Vatican described as an atmosphere of intense listening. The former bishop of the Diocese of Albany, New York, has announced that he is civilly married. Bishop Emeritus Howard Hubbard put out a statement saying he exchanged vows with a woman last month who he says has helped care for him and believes in him. Hubbard has been under investigation for both committing and covering up sexual abuse. He announced last year that he had applied to the Vatican for laicization, but that request was denied. Current Albany Bishop Edward Scharfenberger has released a statement saying Hubbard is still a bishop and the quote-unquote marriage is invalid. Former President Trump is due to be arraigned this afternoon in the nation's capital on four counts related to alleged efforts to overturn the results of the 2020 election. Special Counsel Jack Smith said his office will push for a speedy trial, adding they're ready to have all of the evidence tested in a court of law. Trump has said this indictment is purely political. Roughly 65 million Americans are still dealing with heat alerts across the South. Trey Thomas has more. Major cities in Texas, Louisiana, Mississippi, Tennessee, Oklahoma, and Kansas are all facing several days of dangerous heat as the heat index is forecast to go above 110 degrees. The heat dome will make its way to California and Arizona, where Phoenix could reach upwards of 115 degrees. I'm Trey Thomas. The man convicted of killing 11 people at a Pittsburgh synagogue has been sentenced to death. A federal jury came to a unanimous decision yesterday on the fate of Robert Bowers, who was convicted of the 2018 mass shooting at the Tree of Life Synagogue. Court will reconvene this morning when the sentence will be formally imposed. That's the news. It's 35 past the hour. Family, please know that Sacred Heart Radio has never sold or shared our mailing list with anyone. So when you donate or sign up to receive our newsletters, be confident that Sacred Heart Radio will not sell or share your information with other organizations. Schneller Knockelman Plumbing, Heating, and Air are proud supporters of Sacred Heart Radio, home of the 100% satisfaction guarantee, because our work is done right the first time. For all your plumbing, heating, and air conditioning work, Find us at skpha.com, skpha.com. A wedding is a day. A marriage is a lifetime. Catholic Engaged Encounter Weekends are a marriage preparation program 
led by married couples and a priest or deacon. This is time for a couple to learn about each other and their upcoming marriage. Based on communication, intimacy, and the family they grew up in. Find out more at cincinnati-covington.engagedencounter.com. That's cincinnati-covington.engagedencounter.com. It's 24 minutes before the hour on this Thursday, August the 3rd. Your forecast is brought to you on Sacred Heart Catholic Radio by Schneller Nockerman Plumbing, Heating, and Air online at skpha.com. The heat and humidity continue to rise. Right now, it's not too bad with temperatures in the mid-60s as you're heading out the door. For Cincinnati, it'll be mostly to partly cloudy today with a high of 81 degrees. Mostly clear tonight with an overnight low of 67. Partly cloudy, hot and humid tomorrow with a high of 88 degrees. For the Miami Valley Dayton area, a mix of sun and clouds today with a stray shower or thunderstorm possible and a high of 87. Mostly clear tonight with an overnight low of 63. Mostly sunny tomorrow and a high near 89 degrees. This is Sacred Heart Catholic Radio, 740 a.m., 910 a.m. Online at sacredheartradio.com. It's 37 minutes past the hour, and you're listening to the Sunrise Morning Show on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Very happy to have you along with us today. Dr. Michael Dauphiné is with us now on the Sunrise Morning Show. He's a professor and chair of theology at Ave Maria University in Florida. Dr. Dauphiné, good morning. Good morning. Happy to be on the show. Happy to have you back. Now, you've written a piece over at the Ascension Press site about the Beatitudes as eight steps of courage. How does courage play into the Beatitudes? Yes. Well, uh, thank you for asking. Uh, You know, John Paul II once said in his encyclical Veritatis Splendor that the Beatitudes are a self-portrait of Christ. And I was on retreat. a couple months, uh, several months ago, and the priest was talking about the Beatitudes, right? blessed are the poor in spirit and those sorts of things. And he just said, he said, many Catholics will know the commandments, but if you ask them, uh, you know, what are the Beatitudes? He said, most of them, even good Catholics, really don't know them. And I thought, how sad that we don't know the portrait that Jesus gave of himself for us. And so I then was thinking about how that, We really need courage to face the difficulties of life that often fill us with fear and anger. And courage helps us to have the strength not to be overwhelmed by our fears, nor to be overwhelmed by our anger, so that we stop reacting to the world and we begin to respond to it. And I was thinking in a way that that's what Jesus wants us to do by the Beatitudes, is help us to learn how to transform not only our head, but also our heart to learn to just change our entire way of being into his being so that we not only think, act, but also respond emotionally to the difficulties of life with total trust and surrender to God. That is beautifully put. Can you talk about, you, you mentioned this idea of being reactive toward, um, you know, all of the things that, that come our way, the, the hurdles and, and 
evil and and a lot of times Christians think, okay, well, my job is to turn the other cheek. So how do we square that with the Beatitudes? What is the importance for us to be proactive about being virtuous in the face of spiritual trials? Yeah, that's a great that's a great question. And, and I think in a way, what, what happens is that even just as kind of like um, our, God made us both with a mind and a body, right? So uh, as bodies, we didn't have that kind of initial fight, flight, or the, you know, fight, flight, or freeze, react. That's our, that's our immediate thing. We want to fight or we flight, we run away or we freeze. So we either get angry or we get fearful or we get depressed and shut down. That's what we do. And that's okay in terms of immediate survival, but usually it tends to blind us to the situation. When we get really angry, we can't see straight. When we're really afraid, we don't do that. And when we shut down, we don't see. And so what the virtue of courage does and the steps of the Beatitudes, one at a time, help us to turn over ourselves to God so that then we can become more truly ourselves and then see, wait a second, in this situation, just as it is, what can I do? Um, I even talk about that with the blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Sometimes when we get angry, we want to fix the situation, but maybe the situation just can't be fixed. Maybe sometimes we just have to put it in God's hands. Um, but that doesn't mean avoiding, right, everything. If we have to stop avoiding, avoiding. We have to sometimes recognize, wait a second, but what is the part that God is asking me to play here? And maybe I do need courage to step up and, you know, um, you know, have that difficult conversation with someone or, you know, um, or again, just being willing to continue to not be overwhelmed by the sadness or the grief of life. Can you talk about the need for the virtue of humility in all of this? You you talk about how St. Augustine describes the Beatitudes as as a ladder and the first the first step on there is to be humble. What does it mean to be courageous and humble at the same time? That's, a, that's, a, that's excellent. Um, yeah, so Augustine would actually, he wrote um, uh, a, a homily or a long book on the Sermon on the Mount, and he would uh, talk about the Beatitudes as a ladder, and you have to go up one step at a time. And so he saw that blessed are the poor in spirit is really the first one. If we don't recognize our poverty of spirit, and I think we often don't, poverty of spirit is humility, and we don't realize that we lack it because sometimes it's not so much that we think we can run the world, we think that we should, and we <laughs> feel bad that we can't. So we feel ashamed that we fail to be as good as we want to be, that we fail to run our families well, we fail to say the right things, and we are, we're kind of ashamed for being creatures. We want to be the creator. And so to say, to be hum humility, St. Teresa of Avila would say, is truth. And therefore, it's just really to recognize the truth of myself, that I'm a creature and that I'm a wounded creature. So on my own, as Jesus will say in the Gospel of John, John 15, right, on my own, I can do nothing. Uh, and I have to just be able to recognize that, that on my own, I can't love God as I want. I can't love my wife as I want. I can't love my children as I want. I can't fix 
the problems around me. And so I have to admit my powerlessness. Uh, and C.S. Lewis would say that faith is really admitting our bank, the bankruptcy of our efforts. And when we do that, but then recognize that God has come into our world and into our lives to do for us what we can't do for ourselves, that Jesus died on the cross and rose again to give us the power of the new spirit. Uh, so once we recognize our humility, then as uh, Paul teaches in 2 Timothy 1.7, right, you did not receive a spirit of timidity, but a power, love, and self-control. Humility then gives us the when we stop relying on our own spirit, we can begin to ask the Holy Spirit to change us and give us the direction and power that we need. And that's so important on so many levels, isn't it? I mean, as you go up this this ladder of the Beatitudes that you've been describing here, um, I was particularly struck by the part where you were saying, well, you know, a lot of times we will will say, well, Jesus got angry. It was righteous anger. And, and we use that to sort of justify ourselves. But really, uh, if we look at that in, in a more humble way, we, uh, we might be getting a little too big for our britches. Yes, and I think we have to remember it's not so much that when we, when we wander in our normal patterns of life, which is away from the Beatitudes, it's not so much that we're doing wrong things and we're going to get in trouble. It's that we're not as happy as God meant us to be. God created us to be happy with his happiness. But by sin, we walk away from that. And so when we learn to walk the path of the Beatitudes, to practice the eight steps of courage, we begin to find greater joy. You know, and I think even a lot of Christians, they do the right thing, they try to do the um, better things even, and yet they still don't find the happiness and peace in this life because they're still trying. And I know I have been, done this many times where I'm still trying to, like, impose my solutions on the world. Um, I mentioned that in Blessed are the Peacemakers. Uh, St. Augustine will talk about the fact that there's a counterfeit peace in which I try to impose my will on the world and on the situation. And sometimes peace is just to recognize the peace that I need is only the peace that God can give. And I need to be part of the solution, but I can't be the solution because that would ultimately take away the freedom of other people. Yeah. Uh, so there's just so many different ways that I feel like when we begin to walk this way, we begin again to find ourselves less constrained, less blinded by our emotional reactions, and we begin to find ways of responding in greater peace to try to learn to love as God loves, to see as God sees. Um, and I think we can, you know, with that, uh, really begin to have at least a little bit more of that joy and happiness that Jesus wants to put before us. We've been talking to Dr. Michael Dauphiné, and you can find his article, Eight Steps of Courage, A New Look at Jesus's Beatitudes, over at ascensionpress.com. Dr. Dauphiné, really appreciate your thoughts this morning. Thank you so much. Well, thanks so much for having me on the show. You bet. All right, it's 13 till. Our Catholic counselor, Kevin Prendergast, joins us next. Are you looking for peace? Longing for joy? Want to meet the giver of all goodness? God is calling the laity to bring Ignatian prayer into the suffering world. Work for the new evangelization. Go to lordteachmetopray.com. Order your free digital training and manual. Find true happiness and everlasting joy. 
Go to LordTeachMeToPray.com and click on the red button today. It's free. Approved by the USCCB. Support for the Sunrise Morning Show is from Visiting Angels. Visiting Angels provides experienced, compassionate care to millions of aging adults nationwide by keeping them safe and healthy in the comfort of their own home. Whether it's a short break for caregivers or for long-term assistance, Visiting Angels provides hygiene, meals, light housework, companionship, and more. And services are available up to 24 hours per day. Visiting Angels, online at visitingangels.com. That's visitingangels.com. Franchise opportunities available. Do you use a single brew coffee maker at your home or in your workplace? The Carmelite Monks of Wyoming have single-use coffee pods especially for you. Go to the Mystic Monk Coffee site through our site, sunrisemorningshow.com, to browse the Monk Shot options. When you check out, we'll earn a commission. And why not brew it straight into a Sunrise Morning Show mug or travel mug? You can find those in our online store. Buy a mug and link for some Monk Shots for your Keurig at sonrisemorningshow.com. EWTN, communicating the faith. And I wanted to tell you guys how great your show is because uh, I listen to you guys for every, every day for the last past five and a half months. It's because of you guys that I came to the Catholic faith. Now I'm going to church on Sunday for the first time because I just got out yesterday from jail. And I got my mom to go too. And my girlfriend is also going with me. Wow. She's willing to give the Catholic faith a try. EWTN, live truth, live Catholic. When was your best job interview? Are you still working there? You can share today on Take Two with Jerry and Debbie on most of these EWTN stations. And now back to the Sunrise Morning Show. The Sunrise Morning Show continues. I'm Matt Swaim, joined now by pastoral counselor Kevin Prendergast, licensed counselor with decades of experience both in private practice and in seminary instruction. Kevin, good morning. Hey, good morning. Thanks, Matt. Glad to have you on for this one. And uh, we're going to talk about him in a special way because his feast day is October 4th. Uh, but we talk about him year-round, <laughs> and that's uh, St. John Vianney. Uh, we also mm -hmm. just celebrated the feast of St. Alphonsus Liguori, uh, on the 1st of August, uh, how big do these two men play in your uh, you know, approach to what it means to be a Catholic, trying to address someone uh, in the mental and emotional health realm? Yeah, I've, I've learned a lot from these two. Uh, the Curie of ours has been my patron saint since I was probably six years old, and I, I, I draw a lot of strength from his example. And I think there's three takeaways we can get from these saints uh, and dealing with heresies or how we get out of balance. So the first would be our image of God. Is it too much on the harsh side or too much on the lenient side? And I think that's a big question for us today. And then another one is, is it possible to change as we get older, especially as we get to midlife or beyond, and then how the heck do we persevere and stay faithful to our vocations and commitments? So a couple of things. Alphonsus Liguori, great moral theologian, lived uh, before the Curie of Ars, uh, but he really was did a lot to correct. There's this whole sense in the 17th and 18th century of, of fighting Jansenism, and Jansenism basically says that we're unworthy uh, they would say that, you know, very rarely should you go to communion. We're not really worthy to receive the body of Christ. 
that we have to really focus on our sinfulness, our brokenness, our depravity. So we've got a lot of saints here, uh, Margaret Mary Alacoque, Claude de Colombier, John Eudes, even before Alphonsus, and he pulled that together, and he came up with a, a book of moral theology and a handbook for confessors, which emphasized the mercy of God. So we hear that in more contemporary terms, uh, St. Faustina, how important it is to have mercy, to have that balance. Yeah, a lot of people don't realize that the rise of the Sacred Heart devotion is very much mm-hmm. in response to the rise of Jansenism, which, you know, I, I've heard of it called as like, you know, like the sort of this this Protestant version of Catholicism <laughs> that says we're totally yep. depraved. We're just, uh, as yep. Luther would put it, uh, you're a snow-covered dunghill when Christ redeems <laughs> you. You know, there's a there's yeah. sort of a veneer of salvation over top of you, but we know who you really are, right? I mean, That's this, right. Is, this is infesting a lot of Europe during their time. That's right. And we, and we still struggle with that. That's the, the heresies are always extremes that exaggerate something, right? So John Vianney, you know, was really caught up in Jansenism. So, you know, it, people know his story probably. He was bright. He was intelligent, but he was a terrible student. So he couldn't learn Latin. He flunked out of the seminary twice. He had a priest who saw, you know, I'd rather have a holy priest than a, than a scholar, right? So, and he was definitely, definitely holy, but early in his life. And when he took over this little parish of ours with just 200 families, uh, he, he emphasized, you know, uh, there's people in this church today who are probably committing mortal sins right now. Right. So the, and in the confessional, he was very harsh. He would, uh, withhold, um, giving absolution to people. Right. So that was early in his life. And it's very interesting in his fifties, so he's always very holy, and he did a lot. He started a school for homeless girls. So he was always very charitable, but he and he inflicted uh, severe punishments on himself. He thought that he was completely unworthy, and that he needed to beat himself uh, with with a discipline and starve himself. And then, and about the age of fifty four, which is really interesting, at midlife, uh, another priest gave him two books by. Uh, Alphonsus Liguori, this moral theology in the handbook for confessors. And even though he was a, a guy who struggled through seminary, he studied and absorbed those two books and they really changed him. So that's a, a takeaway, Matt. Like when's the last time that we came across something, read something, heard something, and then we applied it to our life. So from that point on, the rest of his life into his 70s, uh, he was much kinder in his sermons in the confessional, and he emphasized God's mercy. So he was very, he would cry over his penitent sins. So he was very struck by the fact that we are sinners. But Ignatius used to talk about, uh, we see ourselves, we ask for the grace to see ourselves as loved sinners. So finding that balance, and I think today, I don't think anybody would say that our culture goes too far in uh, self-discipline or looking at sinfulness. So maybe we need that other corrective to find that balance. Uh, and the other thing that, you know, a second one would be, you know, that's very interesting to me. So at the end of his life, even though he flunked out of the seminary, he had a library of 200 or 300 well-read, uh, thumb-through, worn books in his library. So he he was a big believer in catechesis and adult uh, faith formation as well as for kids. And he said, I have to, I didn't do so well in the seminary. I need to catch up on my learning about the faith. So that's another takeaway. Do we do that same thing? And toward the end of his life, uh, somebody asked him about his whole vocation. And one of the things that he said to a friend was, if I had known when I came to this parish of ours, what I would have to suffer, 
the fear of it would certainly have killed me. <laughs> and I think when we hear that and we can think, you know, if I would have known on the day of my wedding what all that was going to involve or in my vocation, my career, if I had, if somebody had shown me a picture of what I would have to suffer, the difficulties. So I think that's important. Like he came to ours out of obedience to his bishop. He actually tried to leave three times because uh, he wanted to go to the monastery and just have a quiet life. He had these very long days, very, uh, very full of zeal. But he, he was worn out and he said, Lord, I just need a break. But the answer that he kept getting in prayer is be faithful to your commitment. I put you there for a reason. And some of our popes, John the 23rd, John Paul II, and Benedict have all written about John Vianney, and they talk about this balance, like we have to have prayer as well as good works. We need prayer to, to renew us, and, and we can look at uh, John Vianney as someone who is renewed at midlife, so there's hope for us who are a little bit older that uh, we're, not, we're not done yet. God's not done with us yet. Well, St. John Vianney's feast day, August, August 4th, and uh, he's a great saint, patron saint of parish priests, so praying in a special way for uh, all of you listening this morning who are running parishes. I know that there are a lot of pastors uh, listen to the Sunrise Morning Show because we get notes from him. Pastoral Counselor Kevin Prendergast, thank you for your time, and we'll talk to you again soon. Thanks, Matt. God bless. Take care. We got another full hour of the Sunrise Morning Show coming up for many of you listening across the network here on EWTN. Stay with us. It's three minutes till. So you just got home from a restful summer vacation and you hear that Sacred Heart Radio has a summer deficit. And because of what you just spent, you're not sure if you can help. Well, I am happy to report that our first appeal did decrease the deficit down to $35,000. So, by combining a number of small $5 and $10 gifts, we could wipe out our $35,000 deficit by Labor Day. So, to give a gift of any amount, please visit sacredheartradio.com and click on Donate. Thanks, and welcome home. Support for Sacred Art Radio is from Rua Wood Psychological Services, integrating psychological science and the truths of our Catholic faith with offices in Dayton and Cincinnati. More information at 513-407-8878 or rwpsych.org. I'm Bill Torbeck of Tri-State Abrasive and Tool Company, proud to support Sacred Heart Radio. We strive to provide the highest quality diamond and CBN products manufactured by privately owned companies, enabling us to provide prompt and personal service and you to avoid the unnecessary cost and frustrations of dealing with bureaucracies. Find us online at theabrasiveone.com. That's the number one. Theabrasiveone.com. Theabrasiveone.com. Good food can still be fast food. Bridgetown Finer Meats, a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio, has a convenient online store at bridgetownfinermeats.com. They're all your favorite prepared foods like their delicious homemade soups, beef barbecue, chicken and stuffing, and sweet potato casserole, all available at a click of a button for same-day pickup. They also have high-quality fresh meats like pork, veal, chicken, beef, and seafood, and even produce. Fast, convenient shopping on the go at bridgetownfinermeats.com. Why wait in endless lines at the pharmacy when Brozard Pharmacy, a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio, can fill your prescriptions in a timely manner with high quality. Brozard Pharmacy, fast, friendly service without the wait. 513-941-0428. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Schneller Knockelman Plumbing, Heating, and Air. During the hottest of weather, Schneller Knockelman will keep you cool with air conditioning repair, installation, and maintenance. Schneller Knockelman. Find us at skpha.com, skpha.com. 
Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from J.C. Health Insurance agent George Justin. If you're turning 65, retiring, or simply have Medicare questions, George has answers. George is your pro-family, pro-life guide to Medicare, helping to simplify your transition by guiding you through the options to find a plan that meets your unique needs, all at no cost to you. Find out more from George Johnston at J.C. Health Insurance, 859-414-6591. That's 859-414-6591. This is Father Benedict Kroll, the Director of Mission Advancement for the Angelicum in Rome. Thank you for listening to Sacred Heart Catholic Radio. 740 WNOP Newport, 910 WPFB Middletown, or get the app, stream, podcast, and more at sacredheartradio.com. Continue on this Thursday, the 3rd of August, praying together in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Uh, The prayer of St. Ignatius of Loyola, whose feast we celebrated just a couple of days ago. Take, Lord, and receive all my liberty, my memory, my understanding, and my entire will. All I have and call my own. You have given all to me. To you, Lord, I return it. Everything is yours. Do with it what you will. Give me only your love and your grace. That is enough for me. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Glory to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. always careful about praying that prayer of St. Ignatius, the Sushipe prayer, they call it, uh, because often when I ask the Lord to take my entire memory, that ends up happening. So I've got to be careful there. It is the Sunrise Morning Show. I'm Matt Swain. Anna Mitchell has news. Paul Lockman at the controls. And up this hour, Catherine Fishlock joins us. She's she's a little liturgical and musical catechesis for us. Rita Heikenfeld will be along for Bible foods. Carrots are not mentioned in the Bible, but they are a staple of the Bible diet, the diet of uh, ancient times uh, of the people who show up in the Bible. Gary Machuda is going to be along as we continue through his book, The Gospel Truth. Also, Michelle Sagarino at the end of the hour. So please do stay with us if you can. Uh, right now, it is two minutes past. News is a service of Central Fabricators and centralfabricators.com. Here's Anna Mitchell. Good morning. Pope Francis has a schedule full of youthful encounters today as his World Youth Day gets underway in earnest. He has visited with a community of young people originally established by decree of Pope Francis and contributed the final brush stroke to a large mural they've created. He will also meet with university students and then later today will participate in the official World Youth Day welcome ceremony for him. After arriving in Portugal yesterday, Pope Francis met with civil authorities and diplomats reflecting in his address on the direction of Europe. From Vatican Radio, Lisa Zingarini has more. The Pope said that as an ocean city, Lisbon reminds us of the importance of the whole, to think of borders as places of contact, 
not as boundaries that separate, recalling the Treaty of Lisbon, which in 2007 reformed the European Union, committing it to actively contribute to world peace, sustainable development, solidarity and the protection of human rights. He questioned the direction Europe and the West have taken to effectively bring peace to the world, namely its investments in sophisticated weapons rather than in the future of the young. He also lamented the developed world's creeping utilitarianism that uses life and discards it, the life of the unborn, of older persons, of migrants. In the face of these setbacks, Pope Francis remarked that the thousands of young people pouring into Lisbon this week offer a reason for hope and that therefore the World Youth Day represents an opportunity to build together something new for the future. He suggested three construction sites of hope. The first one is the protection of creation for the sake of the new generations. The second is the future represented by young people facing many difficulties today, which in the West has resulted in a troubling demographic decline. In this regard, once again, Pope Francis urged for far-sighted social and economic policies, but also reiterated the need for intergenerational solidarity that forge bonds between young and old. Finally, Pope Francis cited fraternity, which Christians learn about from Christ. In a globalised world, all of us are challenged to cultivate a sense of community, he said. I am Lisa Zingarini. Former President Donald Trump is due to be arraigned this afternoon in the nation's capital on four counts related to alleged efforts to overturn the results of the 2020 election. Special counsel Jack Smith said his office will be pushing for a speedy trial, saying they're ready to have all of the evidence, quote, tested in a court of law. Trump, for his part, has said this latest indictment is purely political. The man convicted of killing 11 people at a Pittsburgh synagogue has been sentenced to death. A federal jury came to a unanimous decision yesterday on the fate of Robert Bowers. He was convicted of the 2018 mass shooting at the Tree of Life synagogue. Court will reconvene this morning, at which time his sentence will be formally imposed. There's new hope that the U.S. may soon get some information about an American soldier who was captured after he crossed into North Korea. The State Department has reached out to the reclusive nation to get an update. For the first time, North Korea has apparently responded, but no details have been made publicly available yet. The State Department is ordering non-emergency U.S. government employees and eligible family members to evacuate from Niger after last week's military takeover. Mark Mayfield reports. That's when the West African country's democratically elected president was pushed out of office. In a statement Wednesday, the State Department said the U.S. Embassy in Niamey has temporarily reduced its personnel, suspended routine services, and is only able to provide emergency assistance to U.S. citizens. The advisory also warns Americans not to travel to Niger. European nations have called the takeover by the military a coup. I'm Mark Mayfield. And the incorrupt body of St. Benedict the Moor has been all but destroyed in a fire. The Catholic News Agency reports that a wildfire engulfed the parish of Santa Maria di Gesù in Sicily, The parish posted photos on Facebook of the charred remains of the patron saint of slaves 
as well as the severely damaged remains of Blessed Matteo Agrigento. It said, with tears in our hearts, we are very sad to inform you that little is left of the body of St. Benedict, the more and blessed Matteo. Un. I saw that story Real. this week, and yeah, very. It's it's heartbreaking um, for a number of reasons, but uh, you know there there are actually a few different uh, parishes in the United States named for Saint Benedict the Moor. I'm thinking mm-hmm. specifically of one that was organized in Pittsburgh fairly recently. Um, there's one here in the Archdiocese of Washington. Uh, I think there's one in there. I, there might have been one in the Archdiocese of Cincinnati at one point. I don't remember if there still is. I don't. I'm but. not um, aware of it. We'll say, but that doesn't mean it doesn't exist. I don't. Yeah. Well, Saint Benedict the Moor, pray for us. Pray for us. It's a, uh, it's a, it's a bummer to not be able to go on pilgrimage to your incorrupt body, but we know that you're still operating strong in the communion of saints. And so pray you're going to be getting that body back. That's right. On the at last the end day. Of time. So. Yeah. Hi, hi. I was just like that story caught my breath. Whew. Well, today is Thursday, August the 3rd, and we are very happy to have you along with us here on the Sunrise Morning Show on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. It's 8 past. Back with us on the Sunrise Morning Show here in studio, Catherine Fishlock, professional singer, musician. She's an excellent piano teacher. <laughs> Catherine, good morning. Good to see you. Good morning. Good to be here. So uh, you have had a couple of weeks off of the show because you were preparing for and then involved in a sacred music conference at Mount St. Mary's. Mm-hmm. So I know you were presenting and we talked about what you were going to um, be presenting, but you were also a participant. So right. what sort of things have you been reflecting on since the conference? It was a wonderful conference, and I would recommend it to all you music directors and just Catholic folk interested in the liturgy uh, for next year. It mm-hmm. happens every year. I've been thinking a lot about the whole purpose of singing. Like, my mm. presentation was on human excellence and perseverance in our singing, that we, regardless of the role we have to play within the liturgy, from the priest, the cantor, the choir and the people in the pews, the singing should be the best that it can be, you know, and I think, and that's not to say that everybody needs to turn it, you know, is expected to be a professional singer, but I think for the role, for the part you play, do your very best because we should give God's, we should give God our best work. Mm. So, and of course there are varying levels of that um, in terms of, you know, your cantors should be your best singers. They should work hard at their singing. You know, our priests should sing well, even if they have limited ability by the world's view of this sort of category of trained singing, right? They should work hard to get to their very highest level. Isn't that the beauty of chant, though, that that it's not necessarily... Well, it's not necessary, so to speak, that, you know, somebody with the 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 most beautiful voice, the the professional mm-hmm. singer, like the amateur can pick up chant. A hundred percent. Yes. And of course, within the whole within the whole body of of chant within the church's repertoire, you have the simplest, you know, rectotono, which means just singing on one note, mm-hmm. which anybody can do. And if they learn a little bit about breath support and diction, 
it can be really excellent and, and achieve its purpose. So yeah. any priest should be able to sing. Now, the complicated chants should be left then to the choir and the cantor. That is the, their traditional place, you know, sure. the complicated things. And there are things that the people can learn. Um, one thing, though, that we experienced at the conference, which was wonderful, we had a, a Byzantine priest visiting who was one of the keynote speakers. Nice. And the first night of the conference, we sang a Byzantine Vespers. Oh, yeah. Oh, my goodness. It was so beautiful. I mean, I have some exposure to the Byzantine rite, but I had not ever done a full Vespers before. Mm -hmm. And, um, of course, there is no instrumental accompaniment Never. in the Byzantine rite. Yeah. So the singing is absolutely front and center. And it's very powerful. There's a different... There's a different tonal tradition, which as uh, which you can hear is much more. It's much more Eastern, mm -hmm. and um, there's a certain excitement and vibrancy in the singing, particularly in the priests' parts, which are. Um, I wouldn't say that they're in any way showy, but there's an energy there, and the way that the the interplay between the priest and the people works is really beautiful. We tend in the Roman church to get kind of lazy and things get really slow and dirge-like and then everybody says, I hate chant. <laughs> <laughs> but it's because we lack the we lack the energy to move things forward. So yeah. then the, the, the priest described this to me because I was interested in that the he would start singing before we were done and then we would come in before he was done. Yeah. And he wanted it that, you know, specifically oh, yeah. he said, this is what we need. And, um, he explained that these are like the like the links of a chain, mm -hmm. that the liturgy should progress, you know, like a train has left the station and this with this energy and this forward movement towards God. And it was yeah. just a beautiful experience. And it, it made me think that like part of that comes from, part of the ability to sing like that comes from the confidence that comes from learning, uh, learning how to sing or taking the singing to heart, you know, that this is really my part. This is my part in this. I'm not just... Um, and that's not to say that you have to, when it's your part, you should sing it fully and mm -hmm. out of love and give your best. Yeah. I've had some experience of, of Byzantine chanting just with my work with the Institute of Catholic Culture and right. Hezekiah Carnazzo, who's uh -huh. a, a Greek Melkite priest, and uh, listening to him sing with his family because mm -hmm. uh, he's a married priest. He's got children, and so he has... Uh, his children come on ICC events and, and chant with him from time to mm -hmm. time. And it's true. You do hear them like they are saying amen before he's finishing up. I'm interested in this this laziness that you're talking about with, <laughs> with us Romans because there is no like time signature on chant. Correct. Is there? No. Is that the right terminology right. that I'm using here? Right. Well, it's basically that it's the difference between metered and unmetered music. What we're used to, our modern ears are used to metered music, which is which means we count everything, yeah. right? And we divide time mathematically. Chant doesn't work that way. It has it has rhythm, but it doesn't have meter. So it has a sense of movement, and it's uh, we have groupings of notes that maybe move a little more quickly or a little more slowly. Mm -hmm. But um, 
you're not, it's not like one, two, three, four, go. You know, it's just, a, it's a different feeling. So it's much more, it's much more um, natural, really. Yeah, much it more follows, human yes, in a way. Yeah. Yes, it follows the rhythm of the, you know, the, the beating of the heart, which slows down and speeds up depending mm-hmm. on what we're doing or what we're thinking. It allows you to be a lot more creative, mm-hmm. like in the mind of God, kind of creative, where mm-hmm. you can, I don't know, that's, that's yeah. so cool. It's not, um, it's not imposing anything upon you in a way right and and really it's deferential to the text yeah and which was the which is the whole point of sung prayer right that we take this beautiful um elevation from speech to song which Mm -hmm. elevates it to music so like right away that's that has a different that, that has a more powerful impact right and so that simplest song the one note you know the Lord be with you and with, with your, your spirit. spirit. You yeah. know, how simple could it be, right? But it right. still is elevated. And then all the way from that to the most complicated, glorious, incredibly, uh, very difficult Gregorian chants. And then, of course, choral music and all that, which came later. The beauty of the human voice as a musical instrument is something mm-hmm. also that I think we take for granted we think of the voice is kind of utilitarian right because mm-hmm. we're we use it all the time constantly it's and we we need it but to transform it yep. from a, a working a workaday tool to a musical instrument amen is a miraculous gift yes and i think we uh we'd be it would be great just to, to have people think more about that for real thank you so much Catherine fishlock you would like her to come and uh, teach your choir how to chant, she's very happy to do so. You can get in touch with us through our contact page at sonrisemorningshow.com. We'll get you in touch with Catherine. 16 past. We're back with headlines right after this. Support for the Sunrise Morning Show is from Visiting Angels. Visiting Angels provides experienced, compassionate care to millions of aging adults nationwide by keeping them safe and healthy in the comfort of their own home. Whether it's a short break for caregivers or for long-term assistance, Visiting Angels provides hygiene, meals, light housework, companionship, and more. And services are available up to 24 hours per day. Visiting Angels, online at visitingangels.com. That's visitingangels.com. Franchise opportunities available. For over 500 years, the church-honored spiritual exercises of St. Ignatius of Loyola have formed many saints. This treasured way of personal prayer with God is now available to you for free. Order your free training manual at lordteachmetopray.com and bring Ignatian prayer to others. Lord Teach Me to Pray is approved by the USCCB. Order your free training manual at lordteachmetopray.com. Lord Teach Me to Pray underwrites the Sunrise Morning Show. Tis the season for iced tea. If you're looking for some unique flavors to enjoy, the Carmelite Monks of Wyoming have a number of options, including lemongrass mint, ginger orange, and blossoming jasmine. Go check them out through our link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. And when you make a purchase, we earn a commission. While you're at our site, pick up a mug or etched travel mug, which are available in our online store. Get your mugs and link to Mystic Monk Coffee for tea at sunrisemorningshow.com. 
St. Augustine gives us tremendous insight as to why we should pray. He says this, Why God should ask us to pray when he knows what we need even before we ask him may perplex us if we do not realize that our Lord and God does not want to know what we want, for as God, he cannot fail to already know it. But rather, he wants us to exercise our desire through our prayers so that we may be able to receive what he is preparing to give us. 18 minutes past the hour. Here's Anna with headlines. Pope Francis begins his World Youth Day pilgrimage in earnest today. Later will be the welcome ceremony in Lisbon. Former President Donald Trump is due to be arraigned this afternoon in the nation's capital. And the former bishop of the Diocese of Albany has announced he has entered into a civil marriage news at the top and bottom of each hour every weekday morning here on the Sunrise Morning Show. Uh, Anna Mitchell, I recently did a um, a podcast for Coming Home Network Presents with Lisa Cooper, who came from the Word of Faith Prosperity Gospel Movement, okay. and uh, we were talking a little bit about some of the TV preachers and uh, their private planes and... Um, <laughs> How they, like they really exemplified prosperity. Well, but it, but in fact, I mean, it, according to their own arguments, that would be like, well, of course, if God is blessing a situation, don't you want to get in on that investment that he's right, blessing? I mean, right, they have it. There's like course. a whole internal logic to it. Yeah. But I was thinking about this. Do I know any priests that own their own private planes? And I was like, yes, I know one specifically. I know a priest actually is a Monsignor who's got his own private plane. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so he actually... Uh, he's a, he's a private plane. I believe it's a two-seater. A two-seater private a two-seater plane. two-seater private plane. Okay. Uh, he built it by hand himself from a kit over the course of, I think, more than a decade. Yeah. And as far as I know, not even his closest friends want to get in that plane with him. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I just was wanted to put out counterpoint. I guess there are, I mean, I do know a priest who's got his own private plane. It probably weighs as much as a uh, Volkswagen Beetle. And, uh, yeah, somebody came up to you and said, I built this plane. Took me about 10 years. I used a screwdriver to do it. You want to get in? (laughs) What would you say? (laughs) 21 passed. I'm Father Rob Jack. Join me this afternoon for Driving Home to Faith when David B. Wright will discuss his new book, Legacy of Life, Stories of Pro-Life Heroes. Emma Waters will report on the evil of child human trafficking in the U.S. I reflect on the life of St. Peter Julian Amart with frequent traffic and weather. That's this afternoon beginning at 4 on Sacred Heart Radio. You're on the road to Christ the King. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Twin Dental of Cincinnati. Since 1986, twin brothers Drs. David and Michael Rothen have been providing superior dental care in a relaxed and comfortable setting for the entire family. The Twin Dental Doctors utilize advanced dentistry techniques from sedation to implants and the latest in cosmetic options to preserve and beautify smiles. Twin Dental, located just off the I-275 exit at Hamilton Avenue. For a complimentary evaluation, 513-825-6111 and online at twindental.com. Support for Sacred Art Radio is from Stegman Landscape. Serving the Tri-State since 1979, Stegman Landscape can create a picture-perfect landscape all year long. From design, installation, and maintenance to retaining walls, patios, and outdoor fireplaces to enjoy any season, Stegman Landscape can do it all. Stegman Landscape. 
making the world more beautiful one yard at a time. 859-781-1562 and online at stegmanlandscape.com. Water damage in your home or business? Plumbing and flooding problems not repaired and restored can quickly get worse over time. Rainbow International of Cincinnati and Northern Kentucky, a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio, can help. Rainbow International, 513-271-1000. Why wait in endless lines at the pharmacy when Brozard Pharmacy, a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio, can fill your prescriptions in a timely manner with high quality. Brozard Pharmacy, fast, friendly service without the wait at brosartpharmacy.com. So I got a question for you. Actually, you know, I'll save my joke to the end. Anna Mitchell will kill me if I start off this segment with a joke. Rita Heikenfeld is going to be along with us right now to talk about carrots on Bible foods. Carrots not mentioned specifically in the Bible, but they were important vegetables in the diet of people in ancient times. Rita, good morning. Good morning, Matt. So I guess we got to go to the Fertile Crescent and uh, the Nile River and that area of the world to learn about the history of carrots. Yeah, and it's interesting because I don't think many people know this, but they were um, most likely cultivated as long as a thousand years before Christ was even born. And um, from what I can research, um, it's believed that the Israelites may have um, found carrots during their captivity in Egypt. We all remember those passages, Matt. But by the 10th century, people in Iran and, and northern Arabia they were growing what we call today the purple and the uh, yellow carrots, the ones that are very trendy and gourmet. Well, you can't really find purple and yellow and red carrots in the grocery store. I mean, you could find them, but they're not near as common as the orange kind. But I guess they were a lot more common back then. Yeah, they were. And that's what I think is so fascinating today. They, they were actually the forerunners of our, our common orange carrot. Um, and then when the English colonists came over to America, and that was about the 17th century, they brought carrots and the seeds. And then in the 18th century, here's the deal with this. The Dutch produced those orange long carrots, and those are actually the ancestor of what we have every day, you know, the ones in the grocery store, the produce section, those long orange carrots. So that's the carrot history there. All right, so I don't need you to tell me that carrots are good for my <laughs> eyes. Uh, because I already know, because I've never seen a rabbit wearing glasses, as that uh, joke goes. Uh, <laughs> but what is, uh, what's good for you in the makeup of a carrot? Well, they have that high vitamin A, which we know is good for our eyes and our skin. And, and here's something interesting, too. Um, we always think of, of veggies, especially veggies and fruits, being uh, most nutritious when they're eaten in the raw state. But carrots, um, the nutrients in carrots, are accessible more when they're just slightly cooked. So cook them until they're just crisp tender, and then your body will absorb even more of those great vitamins. Al dente, as it were. Yes. <laughs> yes. Sort of... All right. Do you uh, buy carrots that have the top still on, the green part? You know, my budget doesn't usually allow that, but um, if you do, and, and they look really nice, and you can eat the tops, of, though I, to my palate, they're a little bitter. I don't know about you, but... Um, Take those tops off because they actually steal moisture from the carrot when you store them in the veggie bin. All right. Now, you've got a recipe here that I want to get into uh, that would be – it sounds like it would be a great summer recipe, your couscous stuffed tomatoes. And I bet you there are a lot of people who have more tomatoes than they know what to do with and are trying to figure out something to do with them besides making pasta sauce and salta and slicing them and putting them on a hamburger. 
Oh, yeah, and I know you're going to run with this recipe, too. Um, same here. I have a lot of tomatoes. So what um, basically the recipe is this. You take some tomatoes and you hollow them out, but leave a fairly thick shell. Don't make it real thin. And then um, just set those aside, and then you're going to cook some couscous, you know, the, the instant couscous and some vegetable broth or water. That's only going to take a couple minutes. And then while that's cooking, um, I usually film a pan with olive oil. Then I'll add a, a shredded carrot, um, some chickpeas that are drained, but I don't rinse them anymore. Do you? Uh, you know, I'm, I don't feel like I usually need to. Yeah, that's the, that's the ongoing wisdom now. You drain but don't rinse. And then you can throw in some shallot or red onion. And, of course, we all have zucchini, so I throw some of that in. And then some garlic. So I cook all that up. For a couple minutes till the zucchini soft and the carrot soft and then if I have some basil or chives or mint I'll throw those in too and I'll just season the whole thing with salt and I like a little cayenne pepper and let it cool a little bit and stuff those um, tomatoes with that and um, if when you're mixing that the couscous mixture it sometimes gets a little dry because that's a grain you can pour a little bit of olive oil in it um, and it's really good with some Romano's uh, sprinkled on top, really good. But I knew when I w was working on this recipe that you were going to take it and reconstruct it and do a mat thing, what we call. Well, I can tell you this, that if it's between the shallots or the red onions, I, I lean shallots on this recipe. Uh, I mean, a lot of people will ask me when I've made something or like a vinaigrette or something mm -hmm. else that what the secret ingredient is, and usually it ends up either being Dijon mustard or shallots. Yeah, and, you know, shallots have a wonderful flavor. I think um, uh, they've got a not a sharp flavor, but a less sharp flavor than onions, and, um, I, and they really do take well to vinaigrette. And when mustard, when you add that to a vinaigrette, that acts as an emulsifier plus adds flavor. So you've got it going. Well, I love, too, that you've got zucchini in this recipe because there are people out there who've got a lot of tomatoes <laughs> and they've figured out what to do with them, but they don't have any clue what to do with their zucchinis except for, like, maybe two or three recipe ideas. So this is a great idea for them. Yep, it sure is. And then we can always freeze the zucchini, too, shred it up, put it in freezer bags, and use it for soups and breads in the winter. You ever spiralize a zucchini? As oh, like you know, like I have friends pasta? who do that. Do you have one? I got a spiralizer. It's a, it's a hand crank spiralizer. Yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, we we do it from time to time. It doesn't. It's not as satisfying as like regular pasta noodles, but it does make for an interesting, uh, well, pun intended, twist on twist on the idea. Mm-hmm. All right, my carrot jokes. Anna Mitchell's probably ready <laughs> to kill me, but you ready? You ready? Was uh, uh, Rita? What was the snowman doing when he was looking through a pile of carrots? Oh, my gosh. Have no clue. He was picking his nose. Oh, my Lord. I, I should know that one. <laughs> you should know that one. Last one for you. No, don't do it, Matt. The, the punchline is already going to be obvious on this one, but, but Anna Mitchell, what's, what's orange and sounds like a parrot? <laughs> oh, Matt. Rita, don't I, laugh. Don't laugh. No, I really don't laugh. Man. It only encourages him. Well, Rita Heikenfeld, I encourage people to go to your website, abouteating.com. Oh. Tons of great recipes, especially recipes for doing stuff uh, with things in your garden that you're overwhelmed with. Have a great day. Uh, I will, and I'll talk to you all next week, Matt. Half past the hour. Here's Anna with news. Good morning.
morning, Pope Francis has a schedule full of youthful encounters as his World Youth Day pilgrimage gets underway in earnest today. He has visited with a community of young people originally established by a decree of his and contributed to a large mural that they've created. He'll also meet with university students and later today, the official World Youth Day welcome ceremony for the Holy Father will take place in Lisbon. Pope Francis met yesterday with Portuguese civil authorities and diplomats soon after he landed in Portugal. In his remarks, the Holy Father questioned the direction of Europe, citing specifically the war in Ukraine. He said, quote, where are you sailing if you are not showing the world paths of peace, creative ways for bringing an end to the war in Ukraine and to the many other conflicts causing so much bloodshed, end quote. On his flight to Portugal, the Holy Father learned of a young man who said he would spiritually accompany the Holy Father and everyone else at World Youth Day. From Vatican Radio, Deborah Castellano-Lubov reports. A moving moment occurred when the Spanish journalist of Radio Cope, Eva Fernandez, gave the Pope a letter from Pablo, a young professed Carmelite who died from cancer in July at the young age of 21, in which the late young man writes, the Pope has promised that he will accompany pilgrims at the World Youth Day from heaven. Despite his end coming near, Pablo had entered the order in Articulo Mortis, taking his vows in his room at the hospital clinic in Salamanca. His religious consecration was a response to that ardor given by faith that he said he felt in every fiber of his body debilitated by six years of illness. His story, which in some ways is reminiscent of that of Carlo Acutis, reached the Pope's hands. In his letter, he recounted the years of his illness, saying, I am aware that everything has a reason in God's plan. Between ups and downs, better and worse days, and with much purification through illness, today I look at my life and I can confess that I have been and I am happy. He said that I have discovered that at the center of my life is not illness, but Christ noting, as I told my friends, family, and Carmelite brothers, through suffering and sickness, I have met God. And through death and sickness, I will go to him. And for this, I thank him. I know from experience, Pablo wrote, that no one can extinguish the inner fire that a young person in love with Jesus can have. Pablo concluded, reassuring, I pray to the Lord that this fire of God's love burns in Lisbon. And how I would like the young people to know Jesus, my beloved. He has given me so much, consoled me so much, made me so happy. I'm Deborah Castellano-Lubov. Pope Francis also met yesterday with victims of clerical sexual abuse on the first day of his visit to Portugal. The Pope met privately with the victims in what the Vatican described as an atmosphere of intense listening. The former bishop of the Diocese of Albany, New York, has announced that he has entered into a civil marriage. Bishop Emeritus Howard Hubbard put out a statement saying that he exchanged vows with a woman last month whom he says helped care for him and believes in him. The 84-year-old Hubbard led the 14-county diocese from 1977 until 2014 and retired from his role as bishop several years ago. He has since been under investigation for both committing and covering up sexual abuse, allegedly. He announced last year that he applied to the Vatican asking for laicization, but that request was denied. Current Albany Bishop Edward Scharfenberger released a statement saying Hubbard is still a bishop and the quote-unquote marriage is invalid. President Donald Trump is due to be arraigned this afternoon in the nation's capital on four counts related to alleged efforts to overturn the results of the 2020 election. Trump has said the indictment is purely political. 
Roughly 65 million Americans are dealing with heat alerts still across the South. Trey Thomas reports. Major cities in Texas, Louisiana, Mississippi, Tennessee, Oklahoma, and Kansas are all facing several days of dangerous heat as the heat index is forecast to go above 110 degrees. The heat dome will make its way to California and Arizona, where Phoenix could reach upwards of 115 degrees. I'm Trey Thomas. The man convicted of killing 11 at the Pittsburgh Tree of Life Synagogue in 2018 has been sentenced to death. A federal jury came to that unanimous decision yesterday on the fate of Robert Bowers. That's the news. It's 35 past the hour. Have you used our QR code to download the Sacred Heart Radio app? The app lets you hear Sacred Heart Radio from anywhere and gives you access to the Sunrise Morning Show and Driving Home the Faith podcast. To get the app, visit sacredheartradio.com and scan the QR code. This is Chris Knockelman, owner of Schneller Knockelman Plumbing, Heating, and Air. Our family has been a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio for more than a decade, and we encourage other businesses to do the same. Find us at skpha.com, skpha.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Bridgetown Finer Meats, the place to go for Wagyu beef. This beef is bred from authentic Wagyu genetics from legendary Japanese bloodlines. Holistically raised on local family farms, Wagyu is all natural with no added hormones, highly marbled, and absolutely delicious. Since 1979, Bridgetown Finer Meats has continually offered prime beef, top quality pork, Amish poultry, fresh seafood, and a vast array of homemade foods. Bridgetown Finer Meats, 574-3100 and online at BridgetownFinerMeats.com. It's 24 minutes before the hour on this Thursday, August the 3rd. Your forecast is brought to you on Sacred Heart Catholic Radio by Schneller Knockeman Plumbing, Heating, and Air online at skpha.com. The heat and humidity continue to rise. Right now it's not too bad with temperatures in the mid-60s as you're heading out the door. For Cincinnati, it'll be mostly to partly cloudy today with a high of 81 degrees. Mostly clear tonight with an overnight low of 67. Partly cloudy, hot and humid tomorrow with a high of 88 degrees. For the Miami Valley Dayton area, a mix of sun and clouds today with a stray shower or thunderstorm possible and a high of 87. Mostly clear tonight with an overnight low of 63. Mostly sunny tomorrow and a high near 89 degrees. This is Sacred Heart Catholic Radio, 740 a.m., 910 a.m., online at sacredheartradio.com. Sunrise Morning Show continues. I'm Matt Swain, joined now by Gary Machuda, and he is uh, online through uh, his hands-on apologetics efforts. You can find all kinds of cool stuff uh, to help you answer some questions that people may be asking you about your Catholic faith. His latest book, The Gospel Truth, How We Can Know What Christ Taught. Gary, good morning. Morning, Matt. So today we're uh, in Chapter 2 of your book, uh, the title of it, What Was Passed On. Uh, you know, it might seem like kind of a like an obvious thing uh, to, to think about, you know, what was it that the uh, the apostles received that they witnessed and passed on? But uh, when it comes to the Gospels, like, what is it that we have? Yeah, and, uh, yeah, so we're starting at ground zero, assuming absolutely nothing, right? And one thing we do know is that Jesus of Nazareth, Jewish. And this is very important because in first century Judaism, 
uh, the recounting of history and uh, uh, reflection in writing about uh, the sayings and doings of high esteem. In fact, there was a first century Jewish historian named Flavius Josephus who lived about the year 100. So he lived shortly after the Gospels were composed. And in his work against Appian, he talks about history. And he he says that the, the Jewish culture ranked among the best ancient cultures as far as recording uh uh, what went on, like the Babylonians, the Egyptians, the Phoenicians. And he also said that the most prized type of history that is available is when the author was present at the events and or interviewed people that were part of the events. And so before we even look at the Gospels uh, in terms of their inspiration or even in terms of their reliability, uh, we see that the Gospels kind of fit within the category of the best kind of historiography and, you know, and also composed within this culture that really prized uh, record-keeping. Well, and not just prized record-keeping, but had a whole entirely different understanding of of mentorship and training than we have today. So uh, yeah. I want to talk about this rabbi-disciple kind of culture and relationship because – you know, if you ask me, uh, Gary, about if I'm available on something and can we like follow up on a conversation, I got to pull up my notes. All right. I mean, you could have you could have called me and said, this is what we're going to talk about. I would have still had to write it down and be like, OK, well, let me make sure that I'm going to ask you about this and so on and so forth. In the rabbi disciple relationship. And you see some of this, by the way, if you watch The Chosen, uh, them trying to capture some of this, it's almost as though he's walking through sort of a thought process and people are memorizing some some stuff word for word that's not something that just like originated at the time of Christ this is a a rabbi disciple kind of thing that happened actually quite a bit right teaching people yeah, to sort Jesus, of memorize teachings and truths right Jesus taps into this uh there was already a mechanism within Judaism for transmitting vast amounts of information accurately from generation to generation through this rabbi-disciple relationship. So what I do in the book is basically I, I look at some later Jewish literature about, you know, what are the facets of this instruction? And then what I do is then I flip to the Gospels and say, well, do the Gospels reflect this? And, and it's most definitely it does. So I, I don't know how much detail you'd like to get into. Uh, you want to well, I want to get into at least a, a little bit because I find this whole thing yeah. fascinating. And you did a lot of sort of layers of, of, of research into how uh, one might learn from a rabbi and record and pass on what a rabbi taught them. Yeah, and it's all common sense, too. Like, the, the first key element of the rabbi-disciple relationship is the prestige of the rabbi. And that makes sense if you just reflect to yourself that somebody that you hold in high esteem, maybe like a rock star or maybe uh, – you know, uh, a politician or something like that. When someone is held in high esteem, we kind of hang on every word. You know, we pay attention to the things that normally we wouldn't pay attention, like, uh, you know, what they're wearing or what they're saying or their mannerisms. So uh, part of, uh, and the rabbis realize this, that part of the rabbi-disciple relationship is the prestige of the rabbi, uh, because you'll pay attention to them. Or, you know, another way to think about it is you pay attention to the people that can advance your careers, right? So if you have a mentor 
who maybe is walking you through a doctoral dissertation or something like that, you're going to pay attention to what they say because it's going to impinge upon your whole life. Yeah, that's a, a big chunk of it, but there's another uh, several chunks of, of this that you get out uh, in the course of this. One of these is absolutely fascinating, uh, that the rabbi repeats himself over and over again so his disciples can get it. And I find this fascinating for a few different reasons, one of which is because there's some sort of you know, modern and even postmodern biblical scholars who will say, well, you know, in Matthew's gospel right there at the beginning, we get the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, mm-hmm. But in Luke's gospel in chapter 6, we see Jesus give a sermon on a plane. So uh, maybe we don't know exactly where Jesus gave this sermon because one place he's on a mountain and one place he's on a plane. But if you understand this rabbi-disciple relationship where the rabbi is repeating himself over and over again, it would make sense that Jesus would possibly say the same thing twice in a couple of different settings, actually probably a whole lot more than twice if this is his methodology. Right, right. Yeah, the difficulty there is, uh, you know, if you're publishing a book or you're writing, uh, readers don't like to read the exact same thing over and over again, right? So. And also, uh, writing, especially in the ancient world, even today, writing by hand, is laborious. So you don't want to keep repeating things over and over because the redundancy. It's just extra work. No one wants to read it. So the Gospels kind of expunge a lot of the repetition. But, you know, we do see echoes, and I think that's one of them, that uh, things that are placed in different places may be the very same teaching that's just being recited over and over again. Well, and... You can't tell me that you don't have a pastor who's used the same joke in his homily twice. I mean, come on. I mean, <laughs> you would see this to the present day. Uh, but when it comes to, like, you know, this is all the backdrop, then how does that help us understand what we have when we look at the Gospels? Yeah, so um, what you do is you see that Jesus is tapping into this thing, and it's guaranteeing that the disciples are not only instructed, right? They're not just rote memorizing everything Jesus says, but they're also uh, being formed and uh, informed. Because one another aspect is that uh, rabbi-disciple relationship is dispositional. In other words, the rabbi poses questions to the disciples, and then the disciples pose questions to the rabbi. And you see that throughout the Gospels, right? Jesus is constantly posing questions for them to consider, and they ask him questions in return. So they're being trained like in a law school. Yeah, and and that, that idea really helps make a whole lot more sense of John chapter 14, 26, uh, when Jesus says, promising the Holy Spirit, that uh, he will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have said to you. And just seeing, like, how these apostles would have memorized all this stuff that they had no idea what it even meant yet, <laughs> right? But, the, right? but when the time came and the Holy Spirit came upon them at Pentecost, all these things that they had, like, wired into their brain from this repetition, suddenly now they knew what it meant. Right. Yeah, exactly. You know, and one one of the – and the last point, too, of this rabbi-disciple relationship that I found really fascinating – is that imitating the rabbi was key. So a, a pupil had two du- duties. First, he had to keep everything faithful in memory. And the other one was that he had to never teach anything otherwise than what was delivered to him, even in expression. And I've seen this in the field of apologetics, where if you have somebody who's a devotee of somebody, sometimes they'll 
they'll start imitating them. Even like if they have a southern accent and the person's from the north, they'll actually adopt the southern accent. And so that's a really interesting point because the apostles, if they're fully trained by Jesus, they would be repeating Jesus' teaching. They might even sound like him or use the same phrases as Jesus. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's pretty cool to reflect upon. Uh, you can find Gary's book, The Gospel Truth, linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. I really encourage you to head over to Hands on Apologetics so you can pick up Gary's Michigan accent when you make your arguments <laughs> uh, in case you're looking for that. But, Gary, thank you so much, as always. Really appreciate you. Looking forward to uh, our next conversation. Uh, same here, Matt. Thanks a lot. All right, 14 till, we're back with Michelle Sagarino from Cross Catholic Outreach to help fight world hunger coming up next. Are you looking for peace? Longing for joy? Want to meet the giver of all goodness? God is calling the laity to bring Ignatian prayer into the suffering world. Work for the new evangelization. Go to lordteachmetopray.com. Order your free digital training and manual. Find true happiness and everlasting joy. Go to lordteachmetopray.com and click on the red button today. It's free. Approved by the USCCB. Central Fabricators is proud to support the Sunrise Morning Show, where you'll get news from the Catholic perspective while keeping you up to date on what's happening in the Vatican as well. It's also a great way to keep in touch with the Catholic faith throughout the week. Central Fabricators, based in Cincinnati, Ohio, is a family-owned business for over 75 years, manufacturing and repairing corrosion-resistant storage tanks, reactors, and pressure vessels. On the web at centralfabricators.com. That's centralfabricators.com. Do you use a single-brew coffee maker at your home or in your workplace? The Carmelite Monks of Wyoming have single-use coffee pods especially for you. Go to the Mystic Monk Coffee site through our site, sunrisemorningshow.com, to browse the monk shot options. When you check out, we'll earn a commission. And why not brew it straight into a Sunrise Morning Show mug or travel mug? You can find those in our online store. Buy a mug and link for some monk shots for your Keurig at sonrisemorningshow.com. EWTN, communicating the faith. I feel that God has been really doing a work in me in the last five, ten years. I'm a convert to Catholicism, and I started to just really feel a passion to know more about the Catholic faith, and I started listening to Catholic radio all day. I'm not doing great things, but I'm doing small things with great love. EWTN, live truth, live Catholic. When was your best job interview? Are you still working there? You can share today on Take Two with Jerry and Debbie on most of these EWTN stations. And now back to the Sunrise Morning Show. Eleven till. Here's Anna with headlines. Pope Francis has a schedule full of youthful encounters as his World Youth Day pilgrimage gets underway in earnest today. The welcoming ceremony a little bit later today. The former bishop of the Diocese of Albany, New York, has announced that he has entered into a civil marriage. And former President Donald Trump is due to be arraigned this afternoon in Washington. News at the top and bottom of each hour every weekday morning here on the Sunrise Morning Show. I'm Matt Swaim, joined now by Michelle Sagarino. <laughs> Sorry, I already messed up your name so badly, Michelle. Michelle Sagarino is president of Cross Catholic Outreach and they've got a Fight World Hunger campaign. Michelle, good morning. 
Good morning, Matt. It's not an easy name. You did a good job. Thank you for having me on your program to share about cross-Catholic outreach and our campaign to fight world hunger. Appreciate that. Well, I only have to say your name a couple times one morning. You've got to say your name first thing every morning. So, I <laughs> Well, cross-Catholic outreach has such a great uh, ministry, and there's so many great layers to what it is that you do. Tell us about this Fighting World Hunger program um, that is, is really practical, and I'm, I'm just shocked at the bang for the buck that you're able to get. Oh, for sure, for sure, Matt. As you know from being um, together in the past, cross-Catholic outreach, we support priests, nuns, bishops in the field all around the world, currently in 36 countries. And those missionaries, they help build schools, houses, water. But today we really feel our most urgent need is for food. Um, Last year, we shipped over 26 million meals to 18 partners in 10 countries. And the need is is really even greater now. So this summer, we're really reaching out to call Catholics to help provide close to 6 million meals to children and families in the Dominican Republic. Um, Very efficient. It would be only about 15 cents per meal. Can you imagine that? Uh, It's wild, Uh, especially given how far inflation has gone. You know how much, uh, I mean, you you can't even get like a half an egg right now for 15 cents. (laughs) Uh, I mean, it's just incredible, the bang for the buck. I mean, how are you able to do this? You're right. Food prices, look at here. It's gone up, what, 11%, 12%. And when you hit the grocery store, eggs certainly are high. But because of our model of supporting missionaries in the field and because of our ability to ship efficiently to long-term Catholic partners, we're able to get uh, what we call Vita food. Vita food is a meal with rice or potato or a lentil base, but it also has a protein, usually soy or beans and vitamins. And that is actually shipped to our partners. And it really helps to abate uh, food insecurity, malnutrition. It's much more than just food. It's really to help take a child, an adult, from malnutrition to a healthier state. So that provides great efficiency when you're able to ship that in and get it into Catholic partners that you know is going that are going to come alongside uh, these families, these programs with the material, the food, but also the spiritual that is so important to us in our faith. Well, I'm looking and trying to figure out some of the math on this, uh, <laughs> you know, just for, for comparison's sake. So $1,500 uh, is one of the donation levels that you can give at. Now, $1,500 mm-hmm. for a lot of our uh, listeners who have a few kids in the house or more than a few, that's like three trips to Costco. Or it's 10,000 meals (laughs) through the Fight World Hunger Program. That's insane to me. It is insane. And just to to kind of emphasize the value of food, recently I was in the field and talking to students. A lot of times meals go through our school programs, right? The partners support schools and the children receive meals. And it happened to be a Monday morning. And this little girl looks so sad, Matt. And I asked the principal, oh, my gosh, what's wrong with her? Why is she so sad? And he went and asked her, which I didn't really want, but 
the response was, well, last meal that I had was Friday at school. Fridays are really not good days for their family because Saturday and Sundays, the parents know it's harder to get food. So, you know, this is a critical outreach to support these missionaries to provide the food. We turned around and gave more food to those children on Fridays to take home, you know, really listening to what the need is. So it's it's a large need all across the world, and it's just been accelerated since COVID. Um, and uh, really with the war in Ukraine, you know, a lot of grains aren't getting into us as well as as these developing countries. So it's, it's, a, it's a great need that I'm hoping our, your listeners and Catholics will rally around. Well, crosscatholic.org slash feeding is the quick link to get there and find some of the details and the stats and, and some of the things that you're doing. Again, that's crosscatholic.org slash feeding. You know, and I think, too, Michelle, one of the practical aspects of this is that, you know, so often we feel really helpless you know, we see all the horrible mm-hmm. things going on in the world and all the frustrating battles going on in the culture. And we think, well, what difference can I make? Do I go out there and make some argument for the faith? Do I go out there and, you know, give to some organization and, and make them do the work for me? And, and, you know, will I ever see the fruits or the results? And mm-hmm. just think about the associations you're building with providing a meal in the context of the church or in the context of a school that is often you know, run by missionaries or religious, that kid is being fed with a corporal work of mercy and being surrounded by spiritual works of mercy when they show up for the meal. I mean, the the impact of that would be impossible to measure. It is impossible to measure. I believe that our relationship is the key to our faith, right? Our relationship to God through Jesus. Our relationship with these partners in the long term, it really allows supporters to give those funds and to know they're getting in the right hands. We've worked with these partners for years. Fundicep, run by Bishop in um, Dominican Republic, Good Samaritan Hospital, a hospital that's providing medical supplies throughout Dominican Republic. All of these partners we know, we trust. And we know how they're going to provide the food. And when a donor does decide to join this cause, they'll be updated. So they'll know where their funds are going to. Well, that's one of the great things about Cross Catholic Outreach is letting people know exactly what it is that they're supporting when they support. CrossCatholic.org slash feeding linked at SunriseMorningShow.com. Head on over there. Make a gift today. Man, that wraps it up for today. We'll talk to you again tomorrow. May God bless you and keep you and grant you his peace. Now, Sacred Heart Radio has our own smart speaker channel. Playing Sacred Heart Radio. Yes, now when you ask your smart speaker to play Sacred Heart Radio, it will immediately play our stream without some of the inappropriate commercial content that you had to sit through from the tune-in connection. So, at any time of the day or night, to hear Sacred Heart Radio loud and clear, ask your smart speaker to play Sacred Heart Radio. I am Deacon Mike Erb with Coldwell Banker Realty, proud to support Sacred Heart Radio because I am a faithful listener, and I'm happy to help you with buying or selling your home. 
That's 513-237-8888. You rely on your car, so rely on the experts at Fort Mitchell Garage, a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio. They can do it all from brakes, tires, and heating and cooling to towing and collision repair and more. Fort Mitchell Garage on Dixie Highway and Park Hills. On the web at fortmitchellgarage.com. For over 90 years, the Jesuit Spiritual Center at Milford has enriched the spiritual lives of youth and adults offering Catholic retreats based on Ignatian spirituality. Enter into the silence of a weekend retreat and experience the great treasures of the spiritual exercises of St. Ignatius of Loyola. Register now at JesuitSpiritualCenter.com. That's JesuitSpiritualCenter.com. Support is from Solidarity HealthShare. Is inflation making you feel frustrated and out of control when it comes to your expenses? We have a solution. It's Solidarity HealthShare. With Solidarity HealthShare, you control what doctors you go to and how much you spend with pricing options that start as low as $384 for families. Take control of your health care and your budget with Solidarity HealthShare. 855-954-5688. Solidarity HealthShare. 855-954-5688. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Fred Espenchide Plumbing. For plumbing and remodeling, Fred brings 55 years of experience to his work. Licensed in Ohio and Kentucky. Fred Espenchide. Your pro-life plumber, 859-441-0950, 859-441-0950. St. Vincent de Paul, Northern Kentucky, understands the importance of a helping hand when life becomes difficult. Through the grace of God and the amazing generosity of volunteers and donors, St. Vincent de Paul, Northern Kentucky, has been able to provide over $200,000 in rent and utility assistance to nearly 2,000 neighbors in need in the last 12 weeks alone. The prayer is to continue to faithfully serve those in need well into the future. To learn how you can help, visit svdpnky.org and follow along on social media. I am Father Rufino Ezama, the Provincial Superior of the Comboni Missionaries. Thank you for listening to Sacred Heart Catholic Radio. 740 WNOP Newport, 910 WPFB Middletown, or get the app, stream, podcast, and more at sacredheartradio.com. It is Thursday, the 3rd of August. Let's begin together in prayer in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Stay with us, Lord. You accompanied your doubting disciples on the road to Emmaus. Sustain your church in our daily journey of faith. You do not disappoint those who hope in your mercy. Remember that we are slow to believe and strengthen our faith. You guide those who walk in darkness. Teach your paths to all who seek the road to life. O God, you are our guide and guard along life's paths. Lead us in the way of justice and love, righteousness and peace through our Lord Jesus Christ. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. It is a better way to start a Thursday morning, the Sunrise Morning Show. Thanks for listening to Sacred Heart Catholic Radio. Thank you to those of you who've already given to help us hit our goals during the summer drought and deficit. Here we are in August, and we're still in the air, even though things drop off during the summer. So if you went on vacation and you didn't buy as much shrimp as you thought you were going to buy, 
then uh, please do consider giving to Sacred Heart Radio to help us make up some of the some of the gap that uh, shows up every summer when people go on vacation and stop giving for a little bit. SacredHeartRadio.com. Again, SacredHeartRadio.com. To do that, click donate. Maybe the price of one pound of shrimp. You can donate that right now. Up this hour, we've got news with Anna Mitchell, sports with Paul Lockman, and we'll also talk to Danielle Bean about how parents can support kids on their mission trips. A lot of your kids maybe have gone to uh, summer mission trips. Maybe even some of your kids are at World Youth Day. Dan Schneider uh, will discuss a new book he's got. It's called The Liber Christo Method, A Field Manual for Spiritual Combat. And it's uh, it's got a lot of stuff in it, let's just say. Ken Craycraft will discuss Oppenheimer and the morality of nuclear warfare. And then Paul Thigpen along at the end of the hour. And uh, I love talking to Paul Thigpen. He is going to reflect on some of the congressional hearings about UFOs. And turns out Paul has actually written a book on extraterrestrial intelligence and the Catholic faith. So you'll want to stick around for that one. Two minutes past. News of service of Bridgetown Finer Meats and BridgetownFinerMeats.com. Here's Anna Mitchell. Good morning. Pope Francis has a schedule full of youthful encounters today. His World Youth Day pilgrimage is getting underway in earnest today in Portugal. He's already visited with a community of young people originally established by a decree of his and contributed to a large mural that they've created. He'll also be meeting with university students. And then later today is the official World Youth Day welcome ceremony for the Holy Father. After arriving in Portugal yesterday, Pope Francis met with civil authorities and diplomats reflecting on the direction of Europe. From Vatican Radio, Lisa Zingarini reports. The Pope said that as an ocean city, Lisbon reminds us of the importance of the whole, to think of borders as places of contact, not as boundaries that separate. Recalling the Treaty of Lisbon, which in 2007 reformed the European Union, committing it to actively contribute to world peace, sustainable development, solidarity and the protection of human rights, he questioned the direction Europe and the West have taken to effectively bring peace to the world, namely its investments in sophisticated weapons rather than in the future of the young. He also lamented the developed world's creeping utilitarianism that uses life and discards it, the life of the unborn, of older persons, of migrants. In the face of these setbacks, Pope Francis remarked that the thousands of young people pouring into Lisbon this week offer a reason for hope and that therefore the World Youth Day represents an opportunity to build together something new for the future. He suggested three construction sites of hope. The first one is the protection of creation for the sake of the new generations. The second is the future represented by young people facing many difficulties today, which in the West has resulted in a troubling demographic decline. In this regard, once again, Pope Francis urged for far-sighted social and economic policies, but also reiterated the need for intergenerational solidarity that forge bonds between young and old. Finally, Pope Francis cited fraternity, which Christians learn about from Christ. In a globalised world, all of us are challenged to cultivate a sense of community, he said. I am Lisa Zingarini. 
Former President Donald Trump is due to be arraigned this afternoon in the nation's capital on four counts related to alleged efforts to overturn the results of the 2020 election. Special Counsel Jack Smith said his office will push for a speedy trial. Trump has said that this latest indictment is purely political. The man convicted of killing 11 people at a Pittsburgh synagogue has been sentenced to death. A federal jury came to a unanimous decision yesterday on the fate of Robert Bowers. He was convicted of the 2018 mass shooting at the Tree of Life Synagogue. Court reconvenes this morning, at which time his sentence will be formally imposed. There's new hope that the U.S. may soon get some information about an American soldier who was captured when he crossed into North Korea. The State Department has reached out to North Korea to get an update, and for the first time, the country has responded though no details have been made publicly available yet. The State Department is ordering non-emergency U.S. government employees and eligible family members to evacuate from Niger after last week's military takeover. Mark Mayfield reports. That's when the West African country's democratically elected president was pushed out of office. In a statement Wednesday, the State Department said the U.S. Embassy in Niamey has temporarily reduced its personnel, suspended routine services, and is only able to provide emergency assistance to U.S. citizens. The advisory also warns Americans not to travel to Niger. European nations have called the takeover by the military a coup. I'm Mark Mayfield. 8.07 now on the Sunrise Morning Show, and Sports on Sacred Heart Radio is brought to you by Dr. Robert Berger and Beacon Orthopedics and Sports Medicine. Find them online at beaconortho.com. Here's Paul Lockman. All right. Uh, Anna Mitchell, we're going to have to work on something because whatever's been going down the last two nights with Reds baseball. is just. It ain't working. Reds uh, not figuring things out at Wrigley Field. 16-6 to final score. Uh, Cubs win again. Buck Farmer suffered the loss. Gave up two runs while recording just two outs in relief. Uh, Redlegs will get another shot at the Cubs before heading home and taking on the Washington Nationals. So let's take care of business here. Good news is we we get one more shot. Bad news is the Reds will send out uh, Luke Weaver, who has the highest ERA among the starters. But he's been pitching better of late. Uh, Bad news uh, yesterday, starting pitcher Ben Lively. He's been uh, put on the 15-day injured list. So uh, just be aware of that. Anna Mitchell, I did not know this until I came into work today. We get football tonight. Did you did you know this? No, I was not aware. The Cleveland Browns kick off against the New York Jets in the NFL Hall of Fame game in Canton. Oh. The annual preseason uh, fundraiser. Pretty Well, not fundraiser, but uh, it is a uh, game that features both sides of... Well, uh, it's a fundraiser in yeah, a sense, uh, I guess pre- you yeah. could say. Yeah, for Canton, I suppose. Um <laughs> I don't really know what else to say about it. Uh, um, I don't think Aaron Rodgers will be playing. You so. don't think so? No, but Zach Wilson will be playing. Oh, okay. So, um, well, that's neat. And for those who really, really, really like football, there's. I mean, it's football. football. It's, football. it's football. There's, there's. Um, I was wondering. Actually, I was thinking about this this morning. When does high school football start? When really? do we start getting Panther games? We're, we're getting soon. So, I mean, I'm assuming like um, late August, late September. August. We still got a couple Early, of weeks, yeah. I guess. Yeah, I mean, right. It's about just then. starting. It's. I mean, I know it's still like super hot outside and stuff, but it's just. It. I don't know. Today, it felt like. Maybe it maybe it was the sixth sense that I had that football was coming tonight. Like it just it felt like I needed 
Well, it was. It also wasn't um, like 95 degrees all of a sudden. So it's like maybe there's a little. It's starting to get cooler at night, and mm-hmm. then uh, maybe mm-hmm. you know things start to. Uh, yeah. Yeah, There's just something up. like it just kind of feels like we're getting into back to school mode. And so yeah. I got uh, because we're we're Elder Panther fans around here. Indeed. August 25th, they will uh, they, they, they play a game at the pit. I'm got not it. sure if that's a exhibition game or, or whatnot. But August 25th, Friday, they take on. Uh, nice. Yeah. A team from Pennsylvania. And then September 1st, I believe that would be the. Uh, the home opener for for realsies. Let me make sure here. Uh, scrimmage. No, uh, August eighteenth. How about Ooh. that? August eighteenth is uh, the first day they play. I suppose again. so. Yeah. Feast of Saint Helena. How the Empress. It, we're getting there. We're we're there. We're in August. We're what so happened? close. What I know, happened? right? We're like two weeks away. Unbelievable. That's super exciting. All right. Well, I guess we are also to the uh, My traffic. kids are ready to go back to school. Are they? They're wow. like, Mom, we are sick of you. Well, I mean, you Although you I did take the them cool to the friends. zoo yesterday. Oof. I think today is Fritz's first birthday. There are all it, kinds of, like, Fritz oh. birthday things around. Oh, that's neato. Yesterday so was a pretty good day weather-wise yeah, to go to the zoo. it was a good day to go to the zoo. It was. It was. We went to the bug house, which I don't think I'd ever been in before. I'm surprised you would go into such a place. Yeah, I didn't want to. I tried to convince them not to, but it was gross, but actually kind of interesting. I like the reptile house until I walk, like, I I love. Until you saw a snake? No, until I smell the the reptile house. And then I'm like, I don't want to be here I mean, that's where you, that's the entire zoo. That's the entire zoo. You just got to get over that. That's why I'm more of an aquarium kind of guy. Yeah, well, yeah. Is what it is. Let's get to it. It is what it is. You need to get outside. Let's get to traffic. Uh, traffic service of Rose Automotive. Pre-owned vehicles on Erie Highway in Hamilton. On the web at roseautomotivegroup.com. What you got, Anna? Well, if you're on the way to the zoo, you're not going to be running into uh, much in the way of traffic. All that area on both 75 or 71 looking pretty good, actually. Uh, northbound 71, 75. You're going to be a little bit slow from Buttermilk Pike up to the cut in the hill. Southbound 75, a little slow through the Lachlan split, looking at Dayton, mm, maybe a minor slowdown uh, between, like, well, just before Dryden up toward the 35 interchange, but it's really very minor. I'm just mentioning it because there's not much else to mention. So now we'll get to weather. It's getting hotter again, or I guess more humid is probably the better way to put it. So yeah, but overall, not terrible. Mostly to partly cloudy today in Cincinnati with a high of 81 degrees. It'll be mostly clear tonight with an overnight low of 67. Partly cloudy, hot, and humid tomorrow with a high of 88 degrees. For the Miami Valley-Dayton area, mix of sun and clouds today and a stray shower or thunderstorm possible with a high of 87 degrees. It'll be mostly clear tonight with an overnight low of 63. Mostly sunny skies tomorrow and a high of 89 degrees. Today is Thursday, August the 3rd, as Matt mentioned, uh, I think last hour. Maybe it's the hour before. I don't remember. It's all running together. Feast of St. Gamaliel, who was a member of the Sanhedrin and has that famous, famous episode in the Acts of the Apostles when he tells the rest of the Sanhedrin, hey, these Christian guys, if they're not of God, then... They're going to die out. But if it is of God, 
watch out. Maybe you should just leave them alone and see what happens. And tradition tells us that he, who was a teacher of St. Paul, became a Christian and is now a saint in heaven. St. Gamaliel, pray for us. Joining us now on the Sunrise Morning Show is Danielle Bean. You can find her at daniellebean.com to invite her to speak or lead a retreat. Listen to her girlfriend's podcast through goodcatholic.com and join the community over at girlfriendscommunity.com. Good morning, Danielle. Good morning. How are you? I am doing fine. And in light of World Youth Day, we're going to be talking about how parents can support their children when they go on a spiritual retreat or mission. So first off, is it hard to let them go, Danielle? I mean, especially when they're kind of young and it's going to be at least a couple of days away from home. Yeah, for sure. I always found that I did that with some trepidation. I guess I got better at it as with the younger kids. And then yeah. it was more like, go, this is good for you. <laughs> Get out of here. Get out of here. You need this. I guess uh, I should have, I guess I should have qualified that. Like how excited right. are you as they leave the house? <laughs> Sometimes it's very much like that. Uh, but no, truly it can be difficult, especially with your first child or uh, one of your older kids or a sensitive child that or especially if you have a child that's going through a difficult time and you know they really need to have a, a good experience either on a mission trip or on a retreat or in um, a youth faith-based event like World Youth Day, which is epic, right? Yeah. But I think it's it's really important for us as parents to recognize that these kinds of milestones, as bittersweet as they are, they're also just a real opportunity for us to step fully into that role of being a prayer warrior on behalf of our kids. It's a great first practice for when you're going to continue to pray for your kids when they're not under your roof anymore, when they're out in the world making their own decisions, and you've got no control over any of it. So I, wow. I always found that those trips, um, and my kids had some amazing experiences, you know, with different youth group and different trips and mission trips that they've gone on and service trips and that kind of thing. Um, and I find that's a really beautiful way to kind of expand their minds about their faith. It's no longer just something you do at home or just something you do in your church, right? It, it really expands their horizons of where and how they practice their Catholic faith. Well, we know and talk all the time about how important it is for the parents to model good faith and to bring the faith into the home, into the domestic church. But as the kids get older, Danielle, how important is it for them to be able to experience the faith sort of, for lack of a better word, separated from their parents? Yeah. Yeah. I think it is so vitally important. And, you know, as your kids become young young adults or adolescents or teenagers, they really do have a normal stage of development where they are looking outside of that little bubble of their, their parents and their siblings, right? They're looking outside into the world for other examples and other people who they can learn from. And that's a real opportunity to put some good examples in your child's life. And, you know, for years we had um, a youth group leader here at, at our parish that I really sometimes referred to him as a third parent because he nice. truly played that role and is so grateful for that because there were many times, you know, when a kid is a teenager that they're not going to listen to what you have to say. In fact, the fact that you said it makes, that makes it suspect in their minds, right? <laughs> but 
they they need somebody else. They need somebody else who's going to that they can respect and look up to and can play that role for them. So parents need to be looking for those kinds of things, um, those kinds of relationships that their kids can have with other adults in your community, in your parish, among your friend group. Look around and see what's available, and then try to make sure that your kids are able to communicate with those people and, and develop a relationship with those kinds of people. Because honestly, in the end, like remember when you were a teenager, there were some problems, some issues you just weren't going to go to your parents with. Like they're probably the last person you were going to go to with these sometimes very serious things going on in your life. That's normal. And as as parents, we feel it's tragic sometimes. And yet this is a a normal part of development that they're beginning to look to other people and look beyond their immediate family, beginning to figure out who they are as independent human beings and really learning to make the faith their own. So what a beautiful opportunity to be praying and supporting our children in that way as they go through that yeah and so important to guide them into good paths toward good people as opposed to kind of just letting them sort of flounder you know flop around and find bad influences you you've mentioned praying for your kids a lot Mm -hmm. in this conversation how did you pray for your children when they were away on retreat or mission um, a lot of times I prayed to their guardian angel. Um, yeah. and that's been something I've always done with my kids when, you know, beginning when they were very little, just knowing you've got this powerful spiritual ally who is devoted to your child, uh, probably more than you are, right? And knows them very well. So, you know, praying to your child's guardian angel can be a powerful way to ask for protection, ask for guidance, ask for wisdom, ask for grace. And um, also praying to Mother Mary, because especially we moms, we, we know that she gets it, right? She yep. she understands and she's a mother to us all. So that means she's this beautiful, perfect heavenly mother to our children as well. She wants nothing but the very best things for them. So asking her to intercede on their behalf and, and pray for them to have you know, the grace that they need to get through a difficult time sometimes, but also to receive a, a powerful spiritual experience that sometimes is very life-changing. The things that go on on retreats or on these youth missions uh, really can change the course of a young person's life. So asking for Mary's guidance in that is a really powerful way to be prayerfully supporting your kids through the whole experience. Yeah. And Danielle, if I mean, especially if we're talking about, you know, teenagers that are going on a retreat or a mission, they're going to come home. And we know from our own experiences that you don't usually come home exactly the same Mm -hmm. Or at least you hope that you're not going to be coming home exactly the same. So how do you, first of all, deal with that as a parent that you have, you, you, you send off one kid. I mean, it's the same kid, obviously, but you send (laughs) off one kid and you have a slightly different kid coming home. How do you deal with that as a parent and how do you help them sort of navigate that too? Because, I mean, you don't want it to just stay at the retreat. You want them to have that mountaintop experience, but be able to sustain it when they come home. Right, right. So I think it's really important to be having open conversations with your kids about that exact thing. You know, ask them how it went, not just, you know, don't accept just fine for the answer, right? Ask them some specifics. Ask them, you know, what was your, what was your favorite moment or what was something that stood out to you? What was something that was challenging for you? What was something that was hard? What did you think of the, the leaders? What did you, you know, ask those kinds of questions. Of course, spread out your questions so you don't pepper them like I just did because... 
I know as a mom of young people that that's extremely annoying. Um, so, you know, <laughs> it, space, space your questions but and space your conversations, but make sure you are engaging them and, and finding out, you know, what went on there and what they thought of it and how they're feeling about, you know, what their perspectives that might have changed, maybe some habits that they want to change. You know, I've had kids come home from retreats or different kinds of experiences and they want to make sure that they're, they're getting to mass more often or they want to make sure they're going right to confession or something like that. Make sure you are supporting them in what their their faith-based goals are at that point. Ask them about the specifics of that without being too prying and, and being open to the fact that some of that might feel very private to them and they, they won't share all of it with you. But really encouraging them to to share about it and finding out how you can really support them in the next step in that that journey of their faith. We've been talking to Danielle Bean and you can find her linked along with her girlfriend's podcast at sonrisemorningshow.com. Click on the show notes for today. Danielle, great, great conversation today. Thank you so much. Thank you. God bless you. You too. Thank you very much. All right. It's uh, 22 past now on the Sunrise Morning Show. we got traffic and weather coming up next. Cabernet Sauvignon, Malbec, Merlot, Pinot Noir, Chardonnay. When you're looking for an extensive selection of fine handcrafted wines from around the world, it's the BFM Wine Shop on Bridgetown Road. BFM Wine stocks over a 1,000 labels of high-quality wine from boutique wineries and small producers. There's also the Wine of the Month, their e-newsletter, and pairing suggestions with fine food. The BFM Wine Shop, proud supporters of Sacred Heart Radio, on the web at bridgetownfindermeats.com. Being prepared is everything, right? Does your family know your wishes for your final resting place? Gate of Heaven Cemetery, Archdiocese of Cincinnati's pre-planning family services advisors will assist you and your family with your advanced planning by helping you make decisions calmly and with a clear mind. Attend an upcoming pre-planning seminar at Gate of Heaven Cemetery so you can rest with peace of mind. 513-489-0300. 513-489-0300. Working to see the culture of life prevail in the Miami Valley, Dayton Right to Life is here to protect God's gift of life through law, education, and community action, from fertilization to natural death. Find Dayton Right to Life online at DaytonLife.org. That's DaytonLife.org. Hi, I'm Guy Cagney with the Cagney Family and Coble Banker Real Estate, proud to support Sacred Heart Radio. Our Catholic faith is the center of our family life and how we do our real estate business. Hope that you and your family will remain safe and healthy this year. 513-347-1888. 24 minutes past the hour now, and this traffic report is a service of Larkin Cobb Chevrolet Buick and GMC in Eaton, Ohio, on the web at LarkinCobb.com. Looking a little bit slow still on northbound 7175 from Buttermilk Pike up to the Cutton Hill. Southbound 75 a little slow as you're heading through the Lachlan split, but that is about it in the way of uh, backups or delays that you're experiencing on the interstates right now. As for weather, mostly cloudy to partly cloudy today in Cincinnati with a high of 81 degrees. Tonight it'll be mostly clear and warm with an overnight low of 67 Partly cloudy, hot, and humid tomorrow with a high of 88 degrees. For the Miami Valley-Dayton area, a mix of clouds and sun today with a stray shower or thunderstorm possible and a high of 87 degrees tonight. Mostly clear with an overnight low of 63. It'll be mostly sunny skies tomorrow and a high of 89 degrees. Dr. Dan Schneider joins us next. It's 25 past here on the Sunrise Morning Show. 
For over 90 years, the Jesuit Spiritual Center at Milford has enriched the spiritual lives of youth and adults, offering Catholic retreats based on Ignatian spirituality. Enter into the silence of a weekend retreat and experience the great treasures of the spiritual exercises of St. Ignatius of Loyola. Register now at JesuitSpiritualCenter.com. That's JesuitSpiritualCenter.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Hoting Realtors. Equipped with the latest technology and market knowledge, Hoting Realtors can make the buying and selling process easier. 513-451-4800 and Hoting.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Delhi and Harrison Pet Centers with everything your pet needs from guppies to puppies. Offering curbside pickup in-store and online shopping at DelhiPetCenter.com. That's DelhiPetCenter.com. Sacred Heart Radio is blessed to have the support of Larkin Cobb Chevrolet Buick GMC in Eaton, Ohio, offering a wide range of new and used cars, trucks, and SUVs with on-site financing. Larkin Cobb, close to Eaton, Richmond, Dayton, and Brookville. On the web at LarkinCobb.com. Twenty-six minutes past the hour. Joining us now on the Sunrise Morning Show is Dr. Dan Schneider. He's adjunct professor of theology at Franciscan University of Steubenville and author of the new resource from Tan Books, the Liber Cristo Method, a field manual for spiritual combat. Dr. Schneider, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Well, first of all, what is the Liber Cristo Method? It's a it's a program that was developed uh, in our work with Father Chad Ripperger. Um, for case management uh, of cases that come to diocese of, of that you know people of affli- that have that, that diabolic afflictions, et cetera. That's what it, it kind of it kind of came out of that. And so this would be part of the catechetical uh, portion of of liberation. So, but I wrote it not just with that in mind or that experience in mind, but for for any Catholic that wants to go deeper in their faith. Learn how to remove obstacles to grace. Uh, learn how to to um, identify areas of trauma, any area where the where the, the demon might be hiding, any area that there's a blockage of grace. We try to identify those. So it's a 12 step, uh, 12 lesson uh, program you walk through, and uh, to to help you grow in interior freedom and union with Christ. Well, before we get to anything else about it, can you talk about the importance of of spiritual direction? Is it hazardous to just jump into spiritual battle without spiritual direction? No, we say very clearly if you're going to do once you jump into spiritual combat, you need you know you need to make sure your work everything is in order and that you're consulting um, you know with your husband if you're if it's a wife a mother talk to your husband husband you need to be the team leader on this deal. And and also, of course, talk to your 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 local pastor because you know your parish priest, so he knows exactly what you're doing, and he knows, and he might ask why. And you want to stay engaged. We don't. What we don't want to create is sometimes is creating is a, a parallel church or a parallel uh, uh, parish. Um, this is something that should be done as a pastoral uh, after you know to, as a pastoral part of the pastoral element of the church, if I could say it that way. It's it's. It's to supplement what the priests are doing. Is there an easy way to discern whether a, a struggle in my life, whether it be you know a physical struggle, a mental struggle, is there any way to discern whether these struggles are spiritual attacks? 
There is, it, and and a lot of people come to come to the you know to the church for help, and it's largely psychological. It's largely um, people are looking for uh, you know quality of life improvements. You know, I don't, I can't have a, I don't hold on a job. My 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 family life is not doing well, et cetera. So so um, part of our protocol is is there's, there's a first phase of a prayer regimen. Um, that is that is a 30-day regimen, a prayer discipline, kind of like a PX90 for the soul, if you will. It's a short little pullback from the world. And because uh, what we find is that the demon responds to the imposition of order as much as to the prayers themselves. So learning to, to start to pray in a, in a regulated way, in a disciplined way, is very important. And um, But as a, as, a, as a direct answer to the question, we, you begin to see a, a pattern um, is is it, we like to exhaust all the natural and, and therapeutic remedies first, for you just assume that it's that it's diabolic. Because I've seen this many times. Uh, people will say, "Well, Father so and so prayed over me, nothing happened." Father so and so prayed over me, nothing happened. Well, if it's largely psychological, and you begin to pray too quickly, then 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 it could become uh, it's actually detrimental to the person because they they feel, "Oh my gosh," and then the devil's right there on their on their shoulder saying, "See." Even Jesus can't free you. So you got to work on that that mental health as well. And I, I work that into the book is is how to deal with the psychological trauma. How do we integrate this into our identity as as Catholics, uh, as baptized Christians? How do we, what do we do with these elements uh, to eliminate the psychological? But but yeah, for sure. There, ultimately, it comes down to the trigger. If the trigger uh, uh, that causes this chain of events in your life is sacred. You might want to look at it. If every time you go to Mass, this happens, or every time you, you pray these prayers at this time, it happens. If it's just going to Walmart, I get I get triggered at Walmart. I, you know, I get the highs <laughs> when I walk into Walmart. So so if it's something psychological, then it, it, it'll pattern out in a psychological trigger. Basically, if it responds to prayer and doesn't respond to, to psychological uh, uh, mental health or drug or, you know, uh, pharma, pharmaceuticals, then then it, it, you keep continuing that. If it's responding sure. to the psychological and the mental health profession, not responding to prayer, then continue on that path. Yeah. You know, you. I want to go back to something that you said at the outset of the conversation about the purpose of this, uh, of this resource, the Liber Cristo Method. You talked about opening ourselves up to channels of grace. And I think that that's something that we might miss because we're so focused on the spiritual attacks and we see them all over our world, certainly. But when can you can you talk about the importance of of being proactive in accepting grace from God rather rather than like focusing on on fending off or battling the spiritual attacks? Precisely. Um, the, I, I put it in the book that the demon is tertiary in spiritual combat. First and foremost is, is Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Uh, we focus on Christ. Number two is we, is the second is we focus on what are the obstacles that prevent us from becoming united with Christ. Freedom from always means freedom for. It isn't just to become demon-free. It isn't just to have an improved lifestyle. Many people say, oh, I really want help with this or that. Uh, but what they want is just to improve their lifestyle, and so and so by focusing back on the ordinary means of sanctification, it's very 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 important. I quote I, in the introduction. I quote Father Gabriel Amor. So I also I also just did the the edits for his biography, um, uh, with tan books. But he says, 
confession is stronger than exorcism. He says Satan is more enraged when we take away souls through confession than we take away bodies through exorcism. Wow. That penance is the most direct means to fight Satan. It tears souls from the demon's grasp, strengthens against sin, unites us more closely to God, and helps us to conform our souls increasingly to the divine will. So, therefore, he says that one good confession is worth a hundred exorcisms. So we focus so much on the devil, and the devil's still winning. We've got to focus on Christ. And how do we do that? The, the definition of liberation in, 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 for Catholics is, is union with God the Father through Jesus Christ. We, unite our, we get unite, reunited with God, re- reconciled with God, and that can only come through the sacraments. And so Father Morth also says that there's a strong temptation for charismatic sensitives and exorcists of finding the quickest way to heal by going outside of the common sacred means to obtain grace. And in so doing, he says, they can unwittingly fall into the trap of magic. And so we have to be careful that we're not looking for the silver bullet. Spiritual warfare is about about tapping into and removing the ounces of grace and tapping into what the church has provided for centuries, which is the sacraments, prayer, and also something that we've forgotten about, but our, our, our moms and grandmas knew very well, which is suffering, how to offer our suffering up in union with the suffering of Christ. And so I have a, throughout the book, I, I flesh out those three elements and the power specifically of uniting our suffering with Christ, you know, when our moms and grandmas would tell us after you, your boyfriend, girlfriend breaks up or you, you get cut from the baseball team, they say, what would they say? Offer it up. Well, what does this mean theologically? What does this mean spiritually? So learning the, the ordinary ways of attaining grace, which involves largely those three things, but primarily the sacraments, that's, that, that's a critical part of liberation. Oh, I'm so glad you mentioned that quote from, or that you read that quote from from Father Amorth. So beautiful, because I was thinking, I mean, how often do these demons that we're dealing with, I say demons kind of in a very, very general sense, how often are they they self-inflicted in that, you know, it's our own sinfulness that needs to be um, offered up to the mercy of God in the sacrament of confession, um, that... I mean, there are so many people that say, I feel like I'm, I, I, I've heard this even from, from those in my own life where they're like, I feel like I'm afflicted with demons. And you wonder, well, when was the last time you went to confession? Precisely. Yeah. Confession is absolutely critical. I mean, if, if you really, if I had to really break down the inner logic of this book, number one, this book is a deep dive general confession. Most Catholics make a very surface confession. They use the sacrament of confession just so they can go receive communion and feel better. This is removing, this is a deep general confession of removing the obstacles and not only removing the obstacles, but learning to develop the corresponding virtue. So I quote, uh, um, I use the, the, on virtue, I remind the reader that virtus with the word man or human being, this is what it means to be human, to grow in virtue. And we can only combat those areas where the enemy is holding, he's holding in those areas of vice, he's holding in areas of psychological trauma, and he's holding in areas of sinfulness. And we've got to remove those things. And, and, and it's just a lot of, it's a lot of spade work, if you, if you will. It's just a lot of grunt work um, to, to do that. And we have to be careful that, there's a, that we can create a psychological incompatibility with the demon um, because we, we attract him to us, if you will. We can, we can become an attractive soft target when we have negative thinking, we have, we have trauma that we haven't given to Christ, we have un, certainly unresolved, I mean, unconfessed uh, mortal sin, even repeated venial sins. All these things are pathways or doorways into the soul that we have to push back with. 
always rely on the sacraments first. I think that's Amen. the, uh, the biggest lesson that we've taken away from this conversation. But you can pick up a copy of the Liber Cristo Method linked through sunrisemorningshow.com. We've been talking to Dr. Dan Schneider. Dr. Schneider, really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you, ma'am. Take care. God bless you. You too. Thank you. All right. It's 37 minutes past the hour now. We got to get to news. Pope Francis has a schedule full of encounters with youth today as his World Youth Day pilgrimage gets underway in earnest. He's visited with a community of young people established by a decree of his, and he will also be meeting with university students. And then later today is the official World Youth Day welcome ceremony with the Holy Father. Pope Francis met yesterday with victims of clerical sexual abuse on the first day of his visit to Portugal. The Holy Father met privately with victims in the Vatican, just and which in what the Vatican described as an atmosphere of intense listening. Former President Donald Trump is due to be arraigned this afternoon in the nation's capital on four counts related to his alleged efforts to overturn the results of the 2020 election. Special counsel Jack Smith said his office will push for a speedy trial. Trump has said the latest indictment is purely political. And the incorrupt body of St. Benedict the Moor has been all but destroyed in a fire. The Catholic News Agency reports a wildfire engulfed the parish of Santa Maria di Gesù in Sicily. The parish posted photos on Facebook of the charred remains of the patron saint of slaves as well as the severely damaged remains of Blessed Matteo Agrigento. It said in the post, quote, with tears in our hearts, we are very sad to inform you that little is left of the body of St. Benedict the Moor and Blessed Matteo di Agrigento. St. Benedict the Moor, pray for us. 839 now on the Sunrise Morning Show. Sports on Sacred Heart Radio brought to you by Dr. Robert Berger and Beacon Orthopedics and Sports Medicine. Here's Paul Lachman. Rough night at the office for uh, Reds fans. Reds blown out by the Chicago Cubs. Second night in a row. 16-6 final score uh, from Wrigley Field. Red legs still in uh, first place in the NL Central. Clinging to a lead courtesy of uh, the Washington Nationals beating the Milwaukee Brewers yesterday. Reds will try to earn a split of the four-game series tonight. Luke Weaver will get the ball for the Red Legs. How about this? Browns will kick off against the Jets tonight in the uh, return of the Hall of Fame game in Canton, Ohio. The annual preseason game features uh, both teams that were 7-10 and 10 last season. All-time regular season series between these two teams, 14-14. and 14. So, uh... Not really sure where to go with this. Uh, not not uh, a big sports day as far as football things go, but there is football tonight. How about that? That's a look at uh, sports. We got more on the Sunrise Morning Show right after this. Have you used our QR code to download the Sacred Heart Radio app? The app lets you hear Sacred Heart Radio from anywhere and gives you access to the Sunrise Morning Show and Driving Home the Faith podcast. To get the app, visit sacredheartradio.com and scan the QR code. If you want hundreds of thousands of loyal Catholic listeners to know about your business, Sacred Heart Radio has the audience for you. According to our surveys, most of our listeners are between the ages 35 and 59, the prime consumer group. 
They have above average income and strong Catholic beliefs. So it's no wonder that 96% of our listeners want to use businesses that underwrite Sacred Heart Radio. To find out more about underwriting, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Dr. Robert Berger at Beacon Orthopedics and Sports Medicine. Dr. Berger has been recognized by Cincinnati Magazine nearly every year over the past 20 years as one of the top physicians in orthopedic surgery, and he serves as team physician for Xavier University, Mount St. Joseph University, and LaSalle High School. Dr. Berger treats patients of all ages at the Beacon West office on Harrison Avenue and on the east side at Cincinnati Sports Club. For more information, 513-354-3700, online at beaconortho.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Rose Automotive, serving the Hamilton area with a wide selection of pre-owned cars, trucks, and SUVs. Rose Automotive, celebrating over 30 years of automotive excellence. On Erie Highway in Hamilton, roseautomotivegroup.com. The Sunrise Morning Show continues. Anna Mitchell, just want to put a shout out there because sometimes when we get to a day, there's not time to do planning anymore so okay yeah uh, tomorrow is the feast of saint john vianney i mistakenly said at one point that his feast was october 4th i meant august 4th (laughs) i meant august 4th it's early in the morning you know sometimes august october they get mixed up when you're saying them out loud i also sometimes run into the problem i think of october and i think it's the eighth month because oct Uh. means eight and nov means and, nine. And so... And des means ten. Yeah, and so um, sometimes I mistakenly, when I'm... This is why I try not to... I, like, try to write out the name of the month. It's good to have it in writing. Because writing. when you use the numbers, sometimes I'm like, wait a minute. October is month number ten, not month well, I, number eight. I bring this all up because St. John Vianney, patron saint of parish priests... Mm-hmm. And so, if oh, I thought you were going to tell people to start planning their grill outs for a week from today. Oh on no, the see, that's for Lawrence. the St. Lawrence grill out. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, that's that's coming up a little bit later. Oh, we'll have plenty to say about that. Yes, um, but since it is the feast of the patron saint of parish priests, if you're thinking about doing anything nice, like picking up a gift card for your pastor, or you know, maybe a book or a medal, or like some cookies that you want to make, or whatever it is, just want to put the bug in your ear to do that plan for it today so that if tomorrow you see him at daily mass or you want to stop by and drop something at the rectory or something like that that uh that you don't run out of time because i know many of you have wonderful pastors with whom you have great relationships and uh, whom you see many of you i know because you hear you let us know you let us know that you're listening on the way to daily mass well maybe you can have something in hand tomorrow to hand after daily mass in honor of saint john vianney's feast the feast of the patron of parish priests. Just want to throw that out there, Anna Mitchell. That's great. That's great. Also a good day to go to confession. That's true because he was a guy who did the marathon confession sessions. Yeah. He spent a what lot of time his, in the what did it, in the penalty box. You were talking to, I mean, when you uh, said that his feast day was October 4th, it was you were talking to uh, our Catholic counselor, Kevin Prendergast. And um, I might be able to share that conversation here in our local hour tomorrow. We'll see. We'll see if I have... Um, the space for it but one of the things that he put in his notes he would have like 12 hour confession like he would just sit in the confessional for hours and hours and hours just extending the mercy of God to people and what I find so incredible is that they kept him busy you know like people 
came to confession because of him. And so there you go. A good day to be inspired by that and go to confession. You know, it was a, well, we'll probably talk about this again tomorrow, Matt, but um, I actually had the opportunity to, um, to reverence the relic of, or to be present for the reverencing of the relic of uh, St. John Vianney's heart. Um, came to the Archdiocese of Cincinnati like eh, maybe like five-ish years ago. I was so, it was at Old St. Mary's and um, I was so determined to have my then one, one-ish year old son, Tommy, um, come with me because I wanted him to be able to see the heart of a priest, like the true heart of a priest. Um right there in front of you. You know, we talk about relics and the importance of relics and what they can communicate to us. And I think that that is a beautiful relic that we have uh, available to us is is the true heart of a priest um, to remind us of the the inward nature of a, of a heart on fire for the Lord. Pretty cool. Yeah. And of course, uh, you know, the sacred heart devotion reminds us of the heart that, of the priest, that the heart that that's all modeled after. Yes. So, yes. good stuff. Well, um, switching from, gears. Switching from, gears uh, here. Personal sin and pastoral situations. We're going to move to something that I'm surprised is not like a bigger headline than it is. You know, just uh, Congress casually talking about discovering, you know, aliens. Aliens. <laughs> as it were. <gasps> what we know and what we don't know. I mean, that's, there's a lot we Can see. Can I just not say, know. I contacted Paul Thigpen about this. And he was like, I am dying to talk Good. about the congressional hearings. I'm sure that Catholic radio shows are <laughs> lining up to talk to Paul Thigpen about aliens. Maybe they're not, but I intend to talk to Paul Thigpen about aliens <laughs> after the break. It is 14 till. Did you just receive a Sacred Heart Radio t-shirt because you took our listener survey? One thing the survey told us was how many of you found out about Sacred Heart Radio from our bumper magnets. So imagine how many more will know where they can hear about God's love and mercy by wearing your Sacred Heart Radio t-shirt. So thank you for letting the good news be told without saying a word. Every time you wear your Sacred Heart Radio t-shirt and by ordering our bumper magnets by going to sacredheartradio.com and clicking on signs and magnets. Catholic Engaged Encounter Weekends are a marriage preparation program led by married couples and a priest or deacon. What makes this marriage prep program unique is you will have two days as a couple to delve into important subjects that will affect your relationship together for the rest of your lives. More time for prayer and reconciliation and closing the weekend with Mass. More information is at cincinnati-covington.engagedencounter.com. That's cincinnati-covington.engagedencounter.com. I'm Bill Torbeck of Tri-State Abrasive and Tool Company, proud to support Sacred Heart Radio. Diamond and CBN are the most advanced cutting tools because they are the hardest materials known. These enable you to machine three to eight times faster compared to carbide while reducing downtime for tool changes by 90%. Improve your productivity when machining hard, cast, and powdered metals or difficult-to-machine materials. Find out more at TheAbrasiveOne.com. That's the number one, TheAbrasiveOne.com. St. Vincent de Paul, Northern Kentucky, understands the importance of a helping hand when life becomes difficult. Through the grace of God and the amazing generosity of volunteers and donors, St. Vincent de Paul, Northern Kentucky, has been able to provide over $200,000 in rent and utility assistance to nearly 2,000 neighbors in need in the last 12 weeks alone. 
The prayer is to continue to faithfully serve those in need well into the future. To learn how you can help, visit svdpnky.org and follow along on social media. Tis the season for iced tea. If you're looking for some unique flavors to enjoy, the Carmelite Monks of Wyoming have a number of options, including lemongrass mint, ginger orange, and blossoming jasmine. Go check them out through our link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. And when you make a purchase, we earn a commission. While you're at our site, pick up a mug or etched travel mug, which are available in our online store. Get your mugs and link to Mystic Monk Coffee for tea at sunrisemorningshow.com. Sunrise Morning Show continues. I'm Matt Swain. Joined now by Dr. Paul Thigpen, who has written a whole bunch of books on a whole bunch of things. But the one we're talking about today is his book, Extraterrestrial Intelligence and the Catholic Faith, because there have been all these congressional hearings about aliens and all kinds of fun stuff. We probably ought to have a Catholic perspective on that since we try and get a Catholic perspective on just about everything else. Paul, good morning. Good morning, Matt. How are you? I'm doing well. I know that you're just uh, lining up Catholic interviews all day, every day to talk about this. Actually, you're probably not, (laughs) but I intend to address this uh, because some people might say, well, this is just the alien space UFO thing is for people who grew up in a post-space race world, uh, you know, watching reruns or first runs of Star Trek. Uh, In fact, this is a much older question than that in the church, right? It is. I mean, the conversation about non-human intelligence that's not angelic is, uh, goes back 20, 25 centuries in Western history, even to the Greek, Greeks, you know, the pagan Greeks, and all the way in the church, all the way to the early, uh, early church fathers. Well, I love the way that you set that up from the beginning, because uh, the church absolutely <laughs> believes and uh, canonically affirms extraterrestrial intelligence. As a matter of fact, we've got some feast days coming up this fall for extraterrestrial beings. Uh, in September, we've got the Feast of the Archangels, and in October, we got the Feast of the Guardian Angels. So there's no doubt in the Church's mind there is such a thing as extraterrestrial intelligence, right? Yes, or you could call it non-human intelligence, I guess. The, uh, they, you know, the angels visit Earth. And, I mean, they don't occupy space. But, but anyway, yeah, non-human intelligence, anyway, to make a broader category out of it. So did there, uh, in the church's mind, were there, were there other distinctions uh, when they were trying to think about what would be non-human intelligence and, and how might we deal with it? Like, who are some of the people who have talked about that sort of thing that might surprise us? Well, golly, for starters, um, well, we have to keep in mind that because Aristotle's model of the universe, where the Earth is at the center, and then there's there are no other, I mean, they even have a concept of planets, but... The Greek word for planet simply means wanderer because they thought they were stars that were moving not according to the, the pattern of the others. So they didn't even have a notion that you could have beyond the moon kind of a rocky body actually have inhabited. So keeping that in mind, you know, but they did discuss the notion of other entire second universes altogether that might have inhabited, uh, been inhabited. But the, the main thing is that you, even then you have St. <clears throat> Augustine, St. Jerome, Jerome uh, believed that there were um, non-human intelligences on Earth. If you can imagine, they, uh, they both said, um, and we, you know, we have these, these documents for St. Augustine, it's in the City of God, that, uh, that they thought the mythological creatures, some of the mythological creatures of the Greeks were actually um, real things. That they weren't angels, they weren't humans, 
uh, there was something else. And so that, I mean, right there, that's not the same thing as, again, as extraterrestrial, but, uh, but it does mean that some of the, starting early on, some of the great minds of the faith said, sure, there can be other intelligent beings that aren't angels and aren't humans. Well, I think it's so important that you mention that for a few different reasons, uh, one of which uh, is that, well, you, you see a bunch of different kind of takes on what it might mean to discover extraterrestrial intelligence, uh, and specifically in our context, life on other planets, um, and what that might be like, uh, who they might be, because you come from a Pentecostal world. <laughs> we kind of buried the lead mm-hmm. on that. So so you come from a world where there is uh, a lot of you know Christian fundamentalism, and I've heard you know, people from that world, even some Catholics who are kind of influenced by that world, say, well, anything that's coming off as an alien is actually a demon, <laughs> right? <laughs> that's end of yeah, story, yeah. no need for further speculation or questions, right? And then I see exactly. people on the other end of the thing, the secular materialist kind of atheist thing that says, well, if we find intelligent life on other, other planets, that'll prove that Christianity and all religions here on planet Earth are invalid and false. And the Catholic Church doesn't really fall down hard on either one of those sides, right? That's right. The Church has never made a definitive you know, definition or, or, or declaration about this. Uh, you have folks who probably they're basing their notion on, on this all being demons uh, on certain claims that the Catechism says that the Catechism denies. The existence of ETI, I'm sorry, it doesn't. Uh, I go through that in my book. The passages they look at, they're treating, they're reading almost the way Protestant fundamentalists read the Bible, where they just look at a few words and then they don't look at the context, they don't look at the scope of, of the text, they don't see that a few sentences later when it talks about um, how we're the only ones made the image of God, that it that it, it says on earth, you know, it adds that, that qualification. So I would say... Um, you know, there really there are two issues kind of going on right now. One is, is it contrary to the Catholic faith to admit the possibility of extraterrestrial intelligence or non-human intelligence that's not angels? And my position, my conclusion after doing all this research, looking at the history of it, doing the theology, is that no, it's not. And you have folks like the former director of the Vatican Observatory uh, giving a very clear statement about that, uh, Father Pune, saying, no, it's not contrary to faith. I know others. Um, folks that you would know, you have said to me privately, of course it's not others. Um, but then you have some people who are just making this stand. It's all demons. It's all demons. Most of them aren't giving any kind of reasoning. I have to say, uh, folks, you need to do a little more research to know what's going on. The other issue then, of course, is even if, it's, if you admit that it's possible, the question is, then have we been visited? Or is there something to the UFOs? And that's part of what the congressional hearing is getting, getting at. Yeah. Well, I'm hoping that we have some more conversations about this in the coming weeks. But just to close us out here, you know, you reflect on the catechism. You reflect on statements by church leaders and authorities on philosophy and how it all uh, comes to, you know, comes to bear on this question. But you also reflect on the scriptures. And of all the scriptures, I love the fact uh, that you focus in on some Job. So very briefly, if you could just like share how the exchange with God and Job sort of opens us up to have this conversation at all. Well, it's great. We've had folks who say that, you know, that the early Christian theologians kind of have the God of Aristotle rather than the God of Job. But it was, it was God who said to Job, where are you when the foundations of the world were made? And he started saying, where were you when I put the constellations out there? You don't even know. Do you even know the ordinances that I have for the universe? And we have to be humble and say, no, we don't. There's so much we don't know about what God has done. Yeah, God has done 
He's made an entire universe, and we've only been to a very, very, very small part of it. <laughs> Extraterrestrial Intelligence and the Catholic Faith by Dr. Paul Thigpen, linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Thanks, Paul. Have a great day. You do the same, Matt. Thanks for having me. All right, we're back again tomorrow. Thanks for being with us. May God bless you and keep you and grant you his peace. So you just got home from a restful summer vacation, and you hear that Sacred Heart Radio has a summer deficit. And because of what you just spent, you're not sure if you can help. Well, I am happy to report that our first appeal did decrease the deficit down to $35,000. So, by combining a number of small $5 and $10 gifts, we could wipe out our $35,000 deficit by Labor Day. So, to give a gift of any amount, please visit SacredHeartRadio.com and click on Donate. Thanks, and welcome home. Sacred Heart Radio is blessed to have the support of Larkin Cobb Chevrolet Buick GMC in Eaton, Ohio, offering a wide range of new and used cars, trucks, and SUVs with on-site financing. Larkin Cobb, close to Eaton, Richmond, Dayton, and Brookville. On the web at LarkinCobb.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from St. Margaret Hall, an assisted living and skilled nursing facility sponsored by the Carmelite Sisters for the Aged and Infirm. St. Margaret Hall has been providing loving care to the community for over 50 years. At St. Margaret Hall, your loved ones will receive 24-hour care from dedicated professionals with newly renovated, stylish assisted living units. At St. Margaret Hall, the difference is love. On Madison Road, 513-751-5880. On the web at stmargarethall.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Central Fabricators. Central Fabricators is currently seeking welders for their ASME code fabrication shop. They're looking for hardworking professionals who enjoy meeting challenges and surpassing customer expectations. Candidates are required to have experience in fit-up and welding. This is long-term employment in a secure, rewarding full-time career with a four-day work week, health care and dental benefits, and paid vacations. More information at centralfabricators.com. That's centralfabricators.com. Support is from Solidarity HealthShare. Is inflation making you feel frustrated and out of control when it comes to your expenses? We have a solution. It's Solidarity HealthShare. With Solidarity HealthShare, you control what doctors you go to and how much you spend with pricing options that start as low as $384 for families. Take control of your health care and your budget with Solidarity HealthShare. 855-954-5688. Solidarity HealthShare. 855-954-5688. Hi, I'm Jim Akers, board member with the Cincinnati chapter of Legatus. Catholic business leaders and their spouses meeting the challenge of balancing faith, family, and business. We meet once a month for mass and dinner, along with a local or national speaker and a wonderful venue throughout the city. Many of our speakers you have heard right here on Sacred Heart Radio. Please think about joining our group of Catholic leaders and become an ambassador for Christ in your business or profession. Contact us at Cincinnati at Legatus.org. That's Cincinnati at Legatus.org. I'm Deacon Bill Mullaney from Immaculate Heart of Mary Parish. Thank you for listening to Sacred Heart Catholic Radio. 740 WNOP Newport, 910 WPFB Middletown, or get the app, stream, podcast, and more at sacredheartradio.com. Catholic Connection is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EW.